All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, boys and girls, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Lots to cover today on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, we got Mr. Evan Swords, a 49ers sub to cover all things NFL. It's NFL, forget the lines, NFL uh, divisional round recap. So a lot to hit on his Niners and the NFC title game. All the craziness from one of the best football weekends uh, in NFL history. Just a great weekend all around. Evan and I, we hit on all of that. Uh, Joe Burrow, we talk about uh, how Jimmy G and this Niners team have done it, how they match up against the Rams. A lot of coaching stuff. There's all kinds of coaching things like Harbaugh to the Raiders, potentially. Um, All kinds of openings uh, across the league. Um, There's just, there's so much going on in the NFL right now. Sean Payton retired. Uh, so we spent a lot of time on Sean Payton, what Tom Brady's going to do uh, in Tampa, what Aaron Rodgers uh, and the Packers are going to do. Just a lot of NFL stuff to hit. So um, that's how we kick things off on today's edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Then we also have got uh, Carlos Medina of Six Eight at the Fan to talk all things uh, Dallas Cowboys. And then Mr. David Virchberger of SNY to talk all things NBA, his Knicks, the Julius Randle situation, uh, bringing in Cam Reddish, uh, who he's watching, storylines to think about, the Sixers, what are they going to do with James Harden, new report with Harden and the Nets, and uh, his happiness in Brooklyn, could Harden and Simmons really happen this summer, what does that mean for the Sixers, all kinds of stuff to get into, the Lakers, the Clippers, who is in the more precarious situation, the the more difficult situation to get out of, the Hawks, uh, just all kinds of great NBA stuff with Vert. So all that and more on this edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. But before we get to Evan and we kick things off today, don't forget, folks, uh, there's a couple ways you can support this very program. Here's how you do it. Go to ChaseThomasPodcast.com today. Access to all of my previous episodes right there uh go subscribe to the sports renaissance man.substack.com that's me the sports renaissance man sports renaissance man.substack.com type in your email that simple in your inbox every day uh follow me on twitter at chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer don't forget you can email this very program chase thomas podcast at gmail.com anything nfl nba whatever it is anything about the show just shoot me an email chase thomas podcast at gmail.com if you like listening to this very podcast make sure to tell a friend family member coworker, all that good stuff and leave this show a five-star rating and a review on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your podcast all right uncle darren let's go chase thomas podcast the chase thomas podcast <laughs> um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right hello and welcome back to a late night tuesday let me check my notes here tuesday edition of forget the lines is it tuesday mr swords we're not doing it on a monday why are we not doing it on a monday because my stuff broke like my everything broke the mixer the laptop everything uh you knew about it like i was i was in a bad place i was in a i was in a bad place because i was really freaking out school started back yesterday like it's just all uh, Everything I was just like I, I'm I'm overwhelmed. Thankfully, running exists and my knee is back, so I'm able to get that back into my daily routine because that is a huge stress reliever for me. But man, it is great to be back. 
We're doing video. You can see me. I can see you in all your black. Emo's not dead, Mr. Swords. How are you <laughs> doing, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I am still trying to get my voice back, as it seems, from Sunday. Um, but yeah, you know, all in all, I'm I'm doing good. Okay, walk me through it. Walk me through your weekend. It's your Niners weekend. I have nothing to contribute on this front anymore. The The Falcons are out of my life. This is all the 49ers show for this. I, by the way, I absolutely love, for anyone that doesn't know, Chase has a outline that he does every week on Google Docs, and it literally says, what happened for the 49ers? Bullet point, bullet point, number, 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 number. And then what happened for the Falcons? Blank. <laughs> <laughs> literally nothing. <laughs> So, I, you know, I love that you kept that in there. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, as we ta- as we were talking earlier, you know, um, this was my, my 34th birthday on Friday. Happy late birthday, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, you know, uh, the lady came into town on uh, Friday morning and I had a bunch of friends, obviously, in the area and spent the day at the beach in Santa Monica and Venice and kind of bounced around and went out with some friends that night, um, which was hilarious because you know, I'm so used to me just going aggressively hard on my birthdays. Uh, and then the lady, uh, bless her heart, uh, did not, it didn't hold her alcohol too well. Oh, okay. And uh, I think she was, she we got we got there at like nine, and I think she was no, she was ready to go to bed at eleven. So it was an early night home, and I actually didn't even really get drunk, and uh, which was perfect because I woke up, uh, you know, Saturday, mm-hmm. playoff, uh, you know, playoff Saturday. That's a weird thing to say. I don't know. Yeah, weirds me out. But yeah, I woke up very refreshed and ready to go. Um, kind of just hung out during the day and relaxed, spent some time, went to the beach again and pounced around as I, as I do living so close. Do you tan? And, no, I actually, I, I'm a very pale man unless Same. I'm out in the sun. Yeah. I would mm. imagine you and I are fairly similar. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I work from home. I don't, mm. you know, I, I, I'm not much of an outdoors person as you know, mm. um, so I haven't really been getting sun lately at all. <laughs> you know, it's the winter. It is LA, but it is the winter, right? Um, so I am back to like my Portland levels of pale. Uh, but yeah, so kind of just hung out. The the 49ers bar that used to be in LA shut down. So they oh, no. moved uh, to this place. Another Was it the bar. only one in LA? No, there was like a San Francisco saloon that literally like the building had like the entire Bay Area like oh. on the back. It was a 49ers bar. That's cool. And that's the um, one that shut down. Yeah, due to due the pandemic. So we found Wait, so like one. is it shut down forever or just temporarily? Yeah, I think uh I think because of COVID, yeah, I mean well, not to get all dramatic, but uh due to hearing about this, apparently one of the main bartenders died. Oh no! Uh, passed away, which was very sad. Um, and the owner of the bar was just like, "No, nah, I'm done." So apparently, they they had some 49ers fans tried to get together and buy the bar because it was that big of a deal. Uh, wow. And there, and the person was like, "Nah, 
So, you know, I can understand that. But anyways, uh, to uh, less less sad news. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, me and some friends, uh, we all got together at this 49ers bar and watched the game. And, you know, I think about every every week where we've kind of talked about the football games as it may be, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, I, I feel like I really like kind of, you know, watched the game, understood what happened. But like the Dallas game had happened a little bit, but this I blacked out. Like, I feel like I couldn't tell you really what happened in that entire game. I like, I, I think I, you know, I can, I can definitely talk about it, but like, it just feels like it was just like a blink and it was gone moment. You know, I was like, I'm watching the game and neither team is doing well. And the next thing I know, there's a field goal and I'm screaming. Man. Well, hold on. So how did this go? Did you feel good? Cause we were not able to record last week. Um, so going into this week, um, how did you feel? Did you feel confident? Cause we know it's noted on this very podcast, Evan, that you have no respect for the green Bay Packers against your 49ers. You are very, a very confident man when it comes to those two uh, being matched up with one another. Were you going into this game expecting that to be the case? But also, be honest, Evan, after that touchdown early on by the Packers, we were like, okay, maybe this is not going to go how I thought it was going to go, along with the way Jimmy Garoppolo was playing. No. So I wouldn't say that. I, I don't know that, like, you know, you got to remember, right? The They scored seven points. The Niners in the third quarter scored three, right? So it was seven to three. You know, it was a pretty close game throughout the entire game. Um, to your point, though, I uh, <laughs> I do think that the 49ers constantly slap uh, the Green Bay Packers around, and I still do. But what I will say is that I personally have a thing where I start to get worried about you know, like, can it happen this many times in a row? Can it happen this many times in a row? And I'm like, all right, what is the likelihood of the Niners beating the Packers, you know, four times a row in the playoffs? It's the same way that I was with the Rams of like, what is the likelihood that they're really going to about to beat, you know, Kyle's going to beat Sean McVay five times in a row. Mm-hmm. going to win five in a row. And so that had me really stressed out about this game, right? You know, the Packers – it's the same thing every year, right? They come in destroying in the regular season, putting up video game numbers. But I really did think I'm like, you know, it's a cold game. The run game's going to end defense is going to be what matters. And, and for the most part, I did think that, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because your, your 49ers team has a, a, about a hundred yards rushing, right? They had what? 98, like, uh, you know, around a, uh, 106 yards rushing, right? Uh, all in, all in, that's a lot, right? That's a decent game, I, you know, you'd think. But it felt like the Packers had just completely shut down the run. Um, I know that that might, might not necessarily be the case in the end, but, like, you know, Debo and Eli both averaged less than four yards carry. It really just felt like the, the things that you would expect the Packers to lose with, you know, in the, like they had in the past was like a really strong running game and just slicing and dicing them in short passing game. But neither of those things really happened. Um, what, what, 
what was your like thought process throughout the game? How did you kind of see it as like a non-biased fan? I didn't think the Packers thought I, I like I still in my notes will just be like, I don't think the Packers thought this game was ever in doubt. Like I thought I, I just kept thinking the way they played the safe, like they just played so safe that I just thought that like, I think they thought they could just bully them a little bit, run the ball, not take any serious chances downfield. Their defense could stop Garoppolo. They could stop the run game and that'd be enough. Like Aaron Rodgers being the MVP would be enough. And the game did not really play out that way. I was just really surprised. And like the weather obviously wasn't great, but Green Bay did not. There was no urgency. Like it no. just came across to me like they were just convinced that they were going to win this football game playing the way that they did. And like when they were up seven to three, it was like, we're just going to win this football game ugly. And then we'll show out against the Rams next week or whoever it is. Then our offense will be back. But we're not going to play that way this week against this Niners team. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm. There's like, I mean, once I can't stress that enough, Twitter in general, like engagement right now is off the, the walls. Like I, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm just some guy that talks about football. I'm not. No, hold on. You're not just some guy. You are a podcast co-host of an NFL podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast I am, Network, Mr. Evan Swords. I am much more official on this podcast than I am in Twitter. But I, but but I will say like it feels like every tweet I have right now is just like a thousand likes, two thousand likes. Like there's so much engagement going on. Um, and I know you you screen cap it and you're like Twitter should be paying me for this. You're you're just all in on like the engagement. You you love your engagement numbers. Well, I just it's insane, right? Like eight <laughs> you know eight million impressions this month, right? It's just well, it's because you you tweet through games. You and I are different. Right. You're you're a game. You you tweet through games and you're a caps lock guy. But I, I gotta I gotta transition because I promise you I don't give a sh- <laughs> can't swear I don't care about my engagement or anything that I'm doing. But what I wanted to to use that as a segue was the conversations that are driving the most right now are how poorly Shimmy played in in the game, mm-hmm. how poorly he's played in this postseason, and also how good that defense is so i ask you you know aaron Rodgers, dak prescott two of the best quarterbacks in the nfl who had two incredible seasons both have decent defenses right the cowboys for the most part all year long had a good defense packers maybe not as much but definitely had a decent defense doesn't matter right they both play terrible in the postseason jimmy does too but the 49ers win right here we are again. Jimmy threw an interception, doesn't throw a touchdown, like 115 yards, but he won. Mm-hmm. What I mean, like, how does this keep happening? You do you know who you guys are? You're not. I don't know how much like college you've watched. Like, did you like? Well, yes, you do know that. You know the answer. <laughs> you don't have to ask that. You do know. Um. You're the Georgia Bulldogs right now. Like that's what they were doing with Stetson Bennett, where it was like Georgia fans were not happy. They had their five stars behind him. JT Daniels was a five star. You have your five star. You have your Trey Lance sitting there in the wings. Like the 49ers Twitter are like, let's all year. We got we just this is our guy. We picked him, a Shanahan guy. It's a big, big pick. We were told Mac, Mac, Mac. We got Trey Lance. This is our guy. We need to see what's happening here. They don't. Like Jimmy Garoppolo 
was the forgotten figure. And he's not going to be the guy who is going to be one of the top five quarterbacks in this league ever. He is never going to be probably a top 10 guy in this league ever. However, when you have a defense and a run game and are as well coached as the San Francisco 49ers are, you can win with an average quarterback. You can win with a quarterback who's plays below average. We saw that Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl, seven TDs, 19 picks because that Denver defense was so crazy that year. They carried him. Like, so when people were in an era where, and rightfully so, because the easier path is the Joe Burrow path, the Josh Allen path, the Mac, the Patrick Mahomes path, where if you have the quarterback, then you're set for a really long time. And that gives you a chance in every game. However, there is an alternative to winning in the NFL. We've seen it. It's just harder. It, this is a harder road that the 49ers are doing right now. There is a much finer line to success than with what the San Francisco 49ers are doing, but they're well coached enough. They're well built enough. Their defensive line just cannot be stopped. And that's going to win a lot of football games. Like that is something where like when people are talking about the Rams next week, I'm like, Stafford's going to make mistakes. Like that's happening. Like next week that is happening. Like I think the Rams are an interesting team. I think the Niners should be favored. Like I think the Niners should be favored to beat the Rams this week. And you're kind of like the Georgia Bulldogs where now I don't know if this will result in a Super Bowl win for you. Like I hope so, Mr. Evan Swords. Like I hope it's a Super Bowl. But the storyline is essentially the same where it's like this quarterback that the fan base isn't into, but he's also kind of a cool underdog story because it's like he's just the guy and he's the bridge guy that's doing enough to keep his job and that the coaching staff loves. Coaching staff loves Jimmy and they traded for him. He was a big deal at the time. And now you're just like, hey, we're going to win with defense and we're just going to run the ball down your throats and we're going to do just enough to win these football games. We don't care if it's low scoring. We don't care if it's not that fun, but we're going to play the way we want to play. And we think we have the players to play this way, which they do. And that was like Georgia to a T this year. So I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. I like that diversity. And you know how I feel about Kyle dating back to Atlanta. Like, you know how I feel about Kyle. But it's also D'Amico Ryans. Like, that dude has earned yeah. his money. He's earned a head coaching job this offseason. And now you're you're in the driver's seat. Like, I'm pretty optimistic. Are you, are you as optimistic about me going into this week? I don't know. I think as a 49ers fan who, the the you know, the the... The franchise has five Super Bowls. I was mm. born in 1988. So for the most part, as a, as a functioning human being, I really never saw any of them, right? Um, in my adult life, I've watched the San Francisco 49ers lose twice in the Super Bowl. As they get closer to the Super Bowl, I feel like this like obsessive fandom and like hype beast, like hype man that I am is dying. Because I'm slowly getting closer to the feeling and remembering that feeling of like, can we do it? Maybe, maybe, you know, and it's like, here we are again. Really good defense, really good running back, mediocre quarterback. And we're getting to, you know, say we beat the Rams, which absolutely I think we can beat the Rams. Kyle Shanahan has, there's nothing Sean McVay can do as a coach that Kyle doesn't already know about. And we just saw that with Matt LaFleur this week. Right. And it, that's why I think they both always lose to Kyle. Because mm-hmm. Kyle, Kyle, where did, they, where did they learn their, you know, everything from? On top of that, I think, they, you know, the 49ers defense with Nick Bosa, and, you know, TJ Jones and Fred Warner and 
you know, all of these guys. It's just too much. I think Nick Bosa is the most important player in the NFL right now. I just don't know that you can tell me anything differently. I think the numbers speak for themselves. Look at the 49ers team when, when he's there. Without They had a really good defense last year, but it's just like he just is a absolute difference maker. But to answer your question. Well, he's definitely I, the most important 49er. That's what we should say. Like, no, no doubt about like it. He's yeah. the most important 49er. 100%. I think that I think the 49ers can beat the Rams. They should beat the Rams. I just I you know maybe it's my own selfish reasons like I just want Jimmy to have a decent game like for once cuz it's been a while, right? Like he's had decent games, you know, and there've been games where like he obviously had like game-winning drives and stuff, but like I just want him to have a complete four-quarter game, no overtime, please your god. Um just for my own mental health. It's, it's something that I need. Uh, and you know what's funny is the, the NFC Championship is being played in the city of which I reside, Los Angeles. Are you going to go? I would have. I've gotten offered tickets twice, but I will be in Denver. Oh. I'm going to see my uh, two of my best friends, one of which is who is named his daughter after me. Oh, that's a big had, one. Had the trip planned for a while. Going to do some snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Wasn't expecting the 49ers <laughs> to be in the playoffs when I made this, but I uh, bought my plane ticket. But but I also, you know, as as I did have them lose three of four games this year that I was in attendance for, the mm-hmm. fourth, the one game they won being the Texans, so kind of doesn't count. I think it's probably a good thing for me to be as far as away from the stadium as <laughs> possible. That's funny. Um, who do you think who stood out to you the most on offense and who stood out to you the most on defense this past week against the Packers? I mean, you know, I, you've heard me ad nauseum talk about how important George Kittle is and how infuriating mm-hmm. it is for George not to get the ball more. Mm-hmm. Right. And this week, you know, they they did. He had six targets for four receptions, 63 yards. You know, I can you know tell you the stats it starts fifteen point eight yards per carry or reception. But like, regardless of all that, like he is just an absolute difference maker. It's infuriating to me that he doesn't get that type of game every every week. And this is the thing that I've kind of like come to like I'm like coming to the conclusion with when it comes to Kyle. It's like all of these things piss me off so much. But I guess he's right because they keep winning. They're in the NFC Championship again. Right. I always complain. I'm like, you don't give George Kittle the ball more. They've won 12 games this year. Yeah. You know? So I would definitely say he stood out the most to me. Um, as far as the defense, I don't even want to talk about the defense so much as I want to talk about the special teams. Mm. Jordan Willis's uh, punt block that came back for a touchdown to win the game. Well, to, to tie the game and then, of course, the field goal. That will go down, I think, in history if the 49ers win the Super Bowl to the same level that the catch has or, you know, the, the catch two, which was Terrell Owens and Steve Young, um, or even the catch three. There's a lot of catches with Vernon Davis and Alex Smith. Um, I think that will be, you know, considered to be one of the great 49ers moments in the NFL history. There was no reason for the 49ers to win that game. No reason. They scored 10 of 13 points in like the last four minutes of the NFL divisional round playoff game against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, Patrick Mahomes only need 13 seconds. 
come back. Three lead changes. Oh, we'll get to that game too. But, um, but you're here. You're here. What is uh? What what do you think when you're we talk about the Rams a little bit? But we'll move on after this. When you think about this game, uh, I was about to say St. Louis, Los Angeles, San Francisco, part three. What are you most interested to see Kyle and this coaching staff clean up that you saw in the last game that cannot happen in this game? You know, Jimmy can't throw an interception, man. <laughs> I mean, I say that, but he does every time. Yeah. He's winning. So, like, like, is that even true? Can he throw an interception? Fairly, Jimmy can throw an interception and no touchdowns. They go away. There's no rules. Um not with Bosa and company on defense. No rules. Really? Like, I, they, they are the great eraser. You know, him, DJ Jones, uh, they just, ugh, it's, it's incredible what they're able to do. I, I don't know if I, I want to even speak to what they need to clean up, but I just know that if they're going to beat the Rams, who've looked really good in the playoffs so far, and, you know, they, they, the 49ers came back from a 0 to 17. Uh, deficit against the Rams to get into the playoffs. Mm. I don't think many, you know, it's not easy to do that twice. I hope, uh, I worry, if you will, about them getting really hot with Odell Beckham Jr., who is, you know, experiencing playoff wins for the first time in his NFL career. Uh, I worry about Cooper Cup, as everyone does. Um, Did you see that route he ran in that game? Where he just, oh my God. But like you, you could do a super cut of every route he's ever run. And it's just insane. Oof. The 49ers are getting back um, their starting quarterback, Ambry Thomas, who start, started playing later in the season, which will be very important because Josh Norman is just absolutely terrible. Um, I don't know, man. I'm honestly like I mean this with like all of my heart. I'm done like trying to talk like with any type of like, I don't know. I like, I know what I'm talking about when it comes to this team, because there are no rules. Like if you were to look at us and just be like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to throw a touchdown against green Bay at home in Lambeau, two degrees. uh, And you're going to win the game. There's going to be no rushing touchdowns, no passing touchdowns. You're going to win the game or to say, you know, the, the Cowboys game, right? They're going to, you're going to hold the Cowboys offense to like seven yards. You know, I, I just, at this point, I want to just kind of sit back and like, let it all happen. Does that make sense? Like, do I sound yeah. like, I feel like I sound depressed. No, you're not depressed. You're just like, I think you're exhausted. This runs exhausted you. It That's really what it sounds is. like to me. You might have two more games of this, sir. You might have I, two more. I do think I literally gave out the majority of my energy in that Cowboys game. Yeah. That was a lot. That was a big game. But It's funny. Your team is completely different than me, where it was like the Falcons all year. It's like, I know exactly who the Falcons are. They're going to beat up on the bad teams. They're going to get boat raced by the great teams, and that's it. Like That's who they are. That was it. Every week. It was the same thing. I knew what I was getting every Falcons game every week. It was it was extremely boring. Your team, a little bit more mercurial. You went in different ways. Yeah. I don't know, man. I will say this. Kyle's got Sean McVay's number. Yep. The 49ers defense is the best defense in the playoffs. Um, 
the run that is a good run though right like going through uh mcveigh and or going through mcveigh and lafleur that feels very like that's a good nfl sun, uh, cinderella storyline i like that going against your your disciples yeah but i also just think that like it's a it's a testament to D'Amico Ryan's, right? He's had to now go up against the three most offensive deny, dynamic NFC teams, right? Yeah. I mean, the AFC is a powerhouse in its own right in different ways, but like as far as the NFC, like, you know, I th- I don't think D'Amico could have had bigger challenges. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see the Bucks and over the Rams more. I thought the Bucks would have been easier. Tom Brady's I didn't know about that. Why would you want that? Why would you want Brady over Stafford? The same reason why I wanted why the exactly what happened. Look what happened when Brady played a good defense. I mean, but it's still Brady. He almost came back. He almost did it. Tom he almost Brady, did it. Tom Brady has been ducking the the 49ers in the playoffs for literally since 2011. I swear to God, if the not if the Niners would have beat the I to this day, if the Niners would have beat the Giants. Mm-hmm. They would have destroyed the the Patriots in that Super Bowl. Destroyed, okay. and the same reason that the Giants won, right? They they had a really good defense at the time. Uh, Tom Brady's been ducking them for a long time, and I was very excited for that. That would have been great. He wanted but, to join you. He wanted to go home, right? Mm-hmm. He was almost a 49er. Think about how weird that would would have been. What, what if Peyton Manning or Tom Brady was like became so a 49er? What about Man. this? You tell me. What about you? Say that. What if you're hmm. a 49er? Jimmy's gone. They trade Jimmy. Hmm. What if Tom goes, Hey guys, how about you put the pause on the Trey Lance ride? I what you give me one last season before I retire so I can play for my 49ers? I don't think he wants to play in that scheme. That's Debo's scheme, man. That whole team is that's the Debo offense right there. I don't know. I don't know if he wants to do that, like Trent Williams in motion. Like, I don't know if that's what like Brady's dying to do in his last NFL season. I don't think that's how he wants to go out. Like, if you watch how he played with Arians, he's gunning. Like, he wants to throw all over the place. I don't. Well, a lot of people think though that Kyle doesn't throw because of Jimmy. And you got to imagine. I would imagine if you're Tom Brady, you're probably looking at that team going, if they can get to the play the NFC Championship with him. You but know, do you I mean, think they would get along? I don't. They seem like too smart. They're too just geniuses offensively. I don't well, know. They, try, they tried to do it before. Yeah, it almost happened. But the Niners are cheap. Mm-hmm. Would you do it? I would not. It? If, if I'm Tom Brady, I would not. No, if you're the 49ers. Oh. Um. Yes. It can't hurt. Like Trey Lance is still like we haven't seen enough, and Trey will be fine. One more year sitting behind them, like Trey's gonna be fine. If he's the guy, he's the guy. Um, I don't know, but I don't think that's gonna happen. I think Brady's done, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, first, we're gonna take a quick break for a message from our sponsors, Mister Swords. But we'll be right back. All right, we are back here on Forget the Lines NFC AFC Conference Championship Preview Edition on this very podcast with Mr. Evan Swords of 49ers Sub. Evan, a lot of NFL stuff. I think it's not at the top of my list, but we need to hit this first. Sean Payton retired. 
Like Sean Payton is out of the NFL. Like this is. Did he retire though? I think so. I think that man, if you watch the press conference, I talked about this with uh, 680 of the fans, uh, Carlos Medina earlier, and he's a Cowboys guy and everything. And I mentioned it to him because like he's in the Atlanta market and we're talking about how it affects the Falcons and all that kind of stuff. But like Sean Payton, did you watch the press conference that he gave? No, of course not. Okay. This man was like passing out pastries or like some kind of New Orleans delicacy and gave one to uh, Gail Benson, um, like got up from the podium and gave her one and then was like, I got the rest for uh, for all the media members here today. That man was just like lean back, comfortable, just hanging out like he reminded me of my like he reminded me of me after my last college final. Where it was like, okay, I am chilling. Like, whatever y'all want to do, you, whatever you want to throw at me, I'm good. I am done with this part of my life. I'm hanging out. Ask me whatever. But college is over. Um, I don't know. I feel like that is what I gathered from Sean Payton. That, like, he's got a Super Bowl. He's won a bunch of games. He was in New Orleans for 16 years. He's been doing that forever. He wants to do TV. I think he's going to immediately pop up on TV, kind of like what Drew Brees did this uh, this past season. And I think he's just going to hang out for a while. And like, if he gets the itch, like Gruden or somebody later, he can always come back. But I get the vibe, man. That dude just wants to be away. Like, I don't think he's thinking about coming back because I think he really just wants to focus on enjoying it. I think these coaches, by and large, hope that they can stay away because I, I think they're burnout. And they want to just enjoy a normal life and just enjoy their money and enjoy like traveling and just going to the beach and going to the farm or whatever. And Wait, just being so, do, is that like a, what you hope in your head? Because obviously that's not what coaches think. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think they do that though. I think that's part of it where it's like, they don't want to have to have this itch to coach forever. I think they but want to be okay with that's doing like, something that's else. That's like t- telling a drug addict, like, Oh, they, they don't want to. Yeah. Like obviously they, of course they don't want to, but like, Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, these guys, they coach because there is no other option. This is what they were born to do. I don't think, I think what happened, and it is my guess, Sean Payton is done with the Saints. Hmm. I think he would, I think he probably loved Drew Brees and stuck around for Drew Brees. And the second that that ended, he was like, I have no other reason to be here. I'm serious. Think about it. Well, I mean, that could, like, can you imagine if he does that and then Tomlin does that this offseason? Like, he dips to Vegas or something just because Ben's gone. He's like, well, I just wanted to ride it out with that, and now I'm done. I'm not doing a rebuild with the new quarterback. I mean, I we've been seeing it a lot with players, not just in the NFL, but the NBA, all the above, right? The, the players are on strike in, in the MLB. I think this is a big moment in history for people in sports to go, I'm going to do what I want, right? And not like the crazy take your shirt off and throw it at fans like AB uh, in Tampa, but like like I'm going to do what I want, right? When KD went, went to the Warriors, right? When you look at uh, Odell Beckham being like, now nah, I'm done with the Giants and then I'm done with the Browns, by the way. He was right. Um, you know, when you look at these players and they're like, you know, Trent Williams is like, I'm done with the Washington football team, right? And I think I think it happens to coaches too. Um, I'm excited uh, for the potential. 
exactly what you just said. Can you imagine if we had a huge co- coaching shakeup? But like the all-time, like first ballot Hall of Famers, like right. Tomlin and Peyton are first ballot Hall of Famers, all-time great coaches, and they both just dip at the same time would be pretty perfect. The only person that I think that won't is Bill Belichick. He's going to retire yeah. with the Patriots because he already did a different coaching gig and failed. It was like, nah. So I think he'll, he'll write it out. But I do genuinely think, especially the way they were writing today, I genuinely think Peyton takes a year off. Like you said, he probably goes into, is an announcer for a year, whatever, goes fishing. Um, right? Hey, hold on, hold on. There's nothing wrong with fishing. No, fishing. I'm serious. Right. I'm just, I mean, he's in Louisiana. I think mm. he's genuinely going to do a lot of fishing. Um, but I think, yeah. I think he's going to come back and be like, you guys are going to either trade me or release me, but I am not finishing out this contract. I want to go coach somewhere else. We'll see. I am excited to see who they hire. Do you, I, I'm guessing they just promote from within. Like you just elevate Dennis Allen, right? Dennis like Allen, he's done I mean, it. He literally said that, right? In the comments. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's a good hire? I don't think he was that bad in Oakland at the time. I think that was just a bad, it was a bad situation. I think he's actually okay. And I think he's one of the better defensive minds. Like he's been consistent. Like one of the things about him, I, I get a lot of Mike Zimmer vibes from uh from dennis allen like young mike zimmer is who he reminds me of where it's like i don't think folks understand like how hard it is to put together um a dominant defense year over year like he has um it's just hard it's easy once you find the mahomes the allens the whoever like you're gonna have a top 10 offense every year like that is stable What's not stable is top 10 defenses year over year. That is significantly more difficult. The numbers bear that out that like if you're number two one year, the chances of you not falling to like 14 or 15 the next year are pretty slim. Like for whatever reason, it's very volatile. It's very hard to repeat defensive success. Zimmer just does that every year in Minnesota. Like he's just like, all right, we're going to be seven. He did. He did. He's no longer there. Right. But my point is that like, I think that's who Dennis Allen is and where I think you have this great defense now. You're a defense first team. It's kind of wild. Um, you right. started four different quarterbacks this season. You had the season from hell on that regard. You missed the playoffs for the first time since 2016. You're in cap hell. I think they're like over $70 million. Or uh, is 45. Rod, no, yeah. that's the thing. Friend of the pod, Ross Jackson. Yes. Said he considered them to be one of, if not the best destinations for him. No. And I was like, I was like, that's some fandom stuff, right? Like, you yeah. don't have a quarterback. You have no money in cap space. Uh, like, like, who are your marquee players on that team right now? I mean, it's – I mean, I guess you'll start with Ramzik and you'll – Armstead, Kamara. Michael Thomas is like a wild card now. Like, he I didn't think Michael didn't Thomas play. and Kamara are not too far away from each other. Kamara's great, but I mean – is running back as you Thomas is hurt, that. man. He might not ever be the same. Like Thomas no. literally might not be the same. I know, but just the way you've talked about, about running backs too, like yeah. Kamara might not have a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like he's great yeah. now, but who knows? In terms yes, of he's year to year. As a, as a head coach that's going to come in there for five years. Um, what's the, 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 why am I blanking on the corner's name? Marshawn Lattimore, yeah, Mario Lattimore. Davis, Lattimore is probably yeah. your big piece, right? Not a lot of excitement there. There's some solid, like, foundational pieces, but there's no big fish that's bringing a head coach to Louisiana. No, I 
I mean, it's better than the Bears job. I think it's better than. Is it? Yeah. The, the Bears, Bears have a quarterback. Do they? Yeah, they have a quarterback. Do they? Yeah, they do. I don't think so, but we'll see. I, I, I don't know. I don't feel great about a lot of the quarterbacks in this past class. I well, think. speaking of quarterbacks in this past class, since it did just happen, we should at least mm. mention uh, that it is confirmed that Byron Leftwich will be the next head coach. Oh, he just got he got hired? For Jacksonville Jaguars and, of course, Trevor Lawrence. Is Balky staying? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I saw anything about that. What do you think about that hire? Um... I think he deserves a shot. Like, I think the home, like he played there, obviously that's cool that he gets to go back to Jacksonville. Um, it's an exciting hire. So I think it's a hire that will get fans like just except like the urban Meyer stuff, the cloud that hung over that fan base. They all wore the, what was it? The shod clown costumes and stuff for that last game of the season. Like it was bleak, man. Uh, Jacksonville was bleak down the stretch here they had like that one girl on like the halftime interview whatever and they gave her like two different choices for a question and she said uh see fire bulky and the whole crowd like erupted um that's not great if you're running an organization that's probably um, not what you want to see going into the offseason but you still have the generational quarterback in trevor lawrence so giving him byron left which is a breath of fresh air but like am i supposed to believe in con and bulky still like, that's why I, I'm scared about the Bears. It's like, what more do we have to see from Bears ownership and Jaguars ownership to this point where you're like, yeah, they're probably not going to get it. The Jets still haven't gotten it. The Bears still haven't gotten it. Guess who gets it? The Vikings. Like, that's a great job. Like, uh, sign me up. The Vikings is a great job. They get it. Like, that is an ownership group that gets it. They've just been in the Kirk Cousins. How, can, how can you say the ownership gets it when they're good? They, they brought in Kirk Cousins. He won them a lot of football games. They almost went to the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago with Case Keenum. They almost did it. Right, but they are two. They're so they are a team that has not made the mark with very solid rosters because of their poor choices in quarterbacks. What I'm saying is still, with all of that being said, they're consistent and like that right. is an organization. Like that, I trust that organization. I trust the Vikings. I don't trust the Jaguars. I don't, I don't trust. Know. I come sure. from a team where the 49ers, you couldn't trust the 49ers organization at all. Yeah. Right? Before Harbaugh, you couldn't trust them. Yeah, the Jed York stuff on message boards forever. You just go on any message board. 49ers fans were just like, until he sells the team, we're done. Yeah, and then post-Harbaugh, mm-hmm. it was got even worse. And then they hired yeah. Kyle Shanahan and everything was good again. So, it is... I mean, I'm not disagreeing that it could happen. I just... When you show me who you are for this long, and the Bears have just been so incompetent for so long, and the Giants have now flirted with being this incompetent for a really long time, I I don't know. I just, until they prove otherwise, I would be dubious. Like, my gut tells me probably won't work out. Right. Cool story, but probably not. Like, I'm not betting. Are you betting on Balky's team to figure it out? No. I mean, this is why I said yeah. that they, they have the least chance of success. Or yeah. The least chance of success. Um, I just, you know, I hope that Byron hires really good coaches around him. I think yeah. this is the last couple of seasons are like a very good example of hiring good coaches around you if you don't have the experience yourself. Um, and I hope he does that because that team 
desperately needs foundation. And I and I think if you're going to hire a very rookie head coach for Trevor Lawrence, like you need to have foundation somewhere. For sure. Um, somewhere where they do have a foundation, Mr. Swords, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow. I, I understand this has been hard for you. For this it run. has. It's definitely been hard for me. Well, but I won't, you know, I won't say, well, first off, it hasn't been hard. I'll let you do your thing, but it hasn't <laughs> been hard because I have genuinely enjoyed being able to celebrate Joe Burrow for you. It has been fun seeing Joe Burrow thrive right now, knowing that you were very right. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, they also did the, you're not going to believe this. Evan. They did this like Dick Tubin, who is just uh, the, the great GM that no one talks about. Like he's done a great job at Cincinnati and building up this roster, like surrounding Burrow and a young quarterback who would have thought that surrounding a young, promising first round talent with Jamar chase, Tyler Boyd, CJ Uzoma, Joe Mixon, and um, T Higgins would pay off. Like giving him uh, three wide receivers who can all do different stuff and make his life a lot easier. A back who can catch balls out of the back. Who would have thought that this would have just been a great thing for a young quarterback to put him in a situation where he has options. It's not like the Jacksonville situation where it's like, good luck, kid. Here's uh, Rashad, uh, Rashad Perriman. Like, good luck. Go make something out of nothing. It's like right. the, Raven, the Ravens like, hey, you remember how Rashad Perryman didn't work? Okay, yeah. we're going to give you Hollywood Brown. And you know, now he didn't work. Okay, now here's Bateman. They all yeah. kind of suck in their own similar way. Um, right. I got to ask then, mm. seeing the success of the Bengals, mm -hmm. obviously Lance isn't the quarterback right now that Burrow is. But do you think that Lance can see, a, Trey Lance can see a similar success with Debo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle? Um, you know, Eli Mitchell, right? Seems I mean, like I said possibility. I mean, I had Lancet too as my most likely to succeed of that group. Like betting, I'm going to bet on Kyle Shanahan figuring it out with Trey Lance. I think Kyle deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to quarterbacks. We've learned that. Like Kyle deserves the benefit of the doubt, even if it's been a weird season this year. Like Kyle does not do this, and Kyle does not pick him over Mac Jones if he doesn't see something special with this kid. So I would still I would still say yes, but they're completely different players. Like Trey didn't play in college. Like he took time off. He didn't lose. He didn't throw a pick. It was right. it was different. Like North Dakota State's a machine, all that kind of stuff. He didn't play in any time any big time environments. Joe Burrow sat and waited at Ohio State. He was a grad transfer to LSU and he gets a just a little bit of a shot. A little bit of a shot. He was not supposed to do what he did. And just puts together maybe the best offensive season in college football history. Like Joe Burrow had weapons and like he's paired up with one of them right now in Jamar Chase. But like Joe Burrow, he was just a known commodity. Like Joe Burrow, like watching him play was just, I couldn't unsee like a Brady Montana vibe. Like that was just when you watched him, like the way he is just not phased. Like Patrick Mahomes is not phased. 13 seconds, don't care. Not everyone's built like that. And Joe Burrow, yeah, Joe Burrow has this subtle confidence, but it's also like 
he is someone that is going to last in this league for 20 years because he's so efficient. He doesn't make the dumb plays. He gets sacked nine times in NFL record and still wins a football game. He, he doesn't go full David Carr. He doesn't turn into a shell. He's fine. Like Joe Burrow is just always cool. That is something about Joe Burrow. That dude is calm, cool, collected, and not, I, not worried. I hope they address the offensive line. Well, they did like they drafted Jonah Williams in the first round two years ago. He got hurt and missed last year, but they've spent, I mean, they've used some draft capital, but guess what? They have a bunch of cap space. They can go out and get some guys. They'll address the offensive line. You can address that, but like you're doing this with a bad offensive line. You're one game away from a Super Bowl with a bad one. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I I will say it has been weird watching Justin Herbert, right? Where they literally, did you know draft for Sean Slater? Right, they, mm-hmm. they, they, they made the right move to protect the quarterback, and they already had pretty decent, you know, weapons around him and Mike Williams and mm-hmm. Keenan Allen, and you know, obviously uh, Austin Eckler and in that run game for not all of the season. Um, but it has been interesting where it's like, you know, do you think coaching maybe just really matters? Because like Brandon Staley really, yeah, wasn't getting it done with a pretty really a really good team. Yeah, and it's also, I don't know. I just, they're completely different players. Like, they're night and day, and they're both great in their own way. It's just Burrow's way is just going to play forever. Like, the way he wins and the way he attacks and the way he plays is just a modern NFL machine. Like, he is a modern NFL-efficient machine now that is right. not going to put his team in, like, doesn't matter. Like, you, it. so many other quarterbacks would have imploded under what he experienced against Tennessee. Like it's just the, what he, the kind of duress that he was under and what he had to deal with and to still get a victory and not be phased. Like you just have to be wired differently. Burrow's wired differently, man. Yeah, he is. And I do think he like, to your point, like some quarterbacks just have it Mm -hmm. right. The Joe cool, right. Uh, Broadway Joe, lots of Joe's. There's a lot of good Joes, right? If I, if you want your, unless yeah, you watch you, yeah, that's it's a bad Joe, Joe Goldberg. I, uh, I don't watch you. No, have you never watched it? No, man. In fact, right now I am aggressively watching Attack on Titan. I don't know anime. what that is. Is what it? It's an what? anime. Okay. And uh, it was, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I don't watch animes at all, but everyone had talked about it for so long. Mm. And I was like. I was like, I, I just gotta, I gotta do it. So you're not um, an Ozark guy either. I actually watched the first season of Ozark. Thought it was interesting. Second season was so slow in the beginning and boring that I just was like, I can't keep doing it. But everyone's like saying that season four is crazy. I'm actually about to just like watch like season summaries on YouTube <laughs> for like 15 minutes, just to like see what happened. Because I, I just have no interest in finishing watching that show you're not a tv show guy though you're not really a tv guy i'm a i'm a i'm a show guy but i'm not a sit down and watch tv guy like what does that mean like i have shows that i want to watch but i'm not the mm. kind of guy that i'm gonna like sit down and unwind watching tv <laughs> at the end of the night like like to give you an example i started watching attack on titan i don't know about a week ago mm-hmm. there's four seasons like the first two seasons had, tw- or like no, excuse me, first season had twenty two episodes at twenty minutes a pop, right? For next season had like twelve episodes, twelve episodes again, and this one has twenty two. 
Like I just finished all of it in a week. So like I'm a I'm a like a dead sprint kind of guy when it comes to TV shows. It's not like a relaxing thing for me. Like I'm glad it's over because I wasn't getting as much sleep as I would want. Like I was like I was like taking work calls and then like going and watching an episode in between my next call. Like I'm pretty obsessive about it. So that's like I don't know, I binge it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So so yeah, I uh, I'm not much of a sit down at the end of the night and watch some TV kind of guy. It's okay. We're all different, Evan. But that's how I am. Like that's how I uh, that's how I unwind and turn my brain off. Because like if I keep reading or anything else, I um I just get more amped. Like reading makes me amped, and I I can't. There's a certain point where I have to just like turn my brain off and not. Yeah, do I don't it. see. I don't ever turn my brain off. Yeah, it's hard, man. <laughs> but it's imperative that we try so, and figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. So I am curious though. Like you. You've got two very, very different, you know, division, excuse me, conference championship uh, playoff games this weekend coming up. How are you, what are your thoughts on how you think they end? Right now, I mean, I'm more confident in um, Niners over Rams. I'm pretty confident about the Niners uh, making the Super Bowl. I'd be pretty shocked at this point if they don't make it. Um, sorry, not to put pressure on you and your your uh, your team, but right. I think that's been the theme. Is I think their defensive line and this defense really just causes all sorts of problems for Stafford. Like I'll believe it when I see it with Stafford that he just overcomes this kind of pressure, this kind of defense, and the biggest moment of his career. Like right. I'm, I'm betting against Stafford in the biggest moment of his career. Uh, I'm betting on Kyle and I'm betting on Tamika Ryan's and I'm betting on Bosa. Um, that just seems more plausible to me. Yeah. AFC side. I just, <laughs> I think it's going to be close and it's going to annoy some people that it's this close. Um, I think the chiefs are like a touchdown favorite or something, but I, I don't know how you get up for this game the same, right? Like you just played the best football game of the last, what, 20 years. Maybe ever. Yeah, maybe ever. And then to just have to go and be like, oh, God, we're not even in the Super Bowl yet. We don't get our two week off. We have to go play the Bengals and Joe Burrow, who's just not going to make a mistake. And it's just going to do the exact opposite of what Josh Allen did and just carve us up little by little and not go for the juggler and and then lull you to sleep. And then, oh, Jamar Chase down the field. There you go. Um, They're a very pesky team. Like, that's what the Bengals are, is they're pesky. And... I don't know. I think that's going to be close. Like I really do believe in Joe Burrow to the extent that like he's going to pressure Mahomes the same way that Josh Allen did. Like this is going to be a close game that like will it come down to a coin toss like it did this past weekend? I don't know. But do I think this will be a touchdown game either way? I do. And right. then I'm like, okay, then do we get a rematch? Do we get a Super Bowl rematch of Chiefs Niners and do we get a different result this time? I don't know. I think that's a distinct possibility. Um, so I am going to say Chiefs Niners in a rematch, but I would not be the least bit surprised if the Bengals do it. And if the Bengals do it, you're looking at your 2022 Super Bowl World Champions, the 49ers. Oh, I gotta tell you, man, if if the Bengals do somehow beat the Chiefs, yeah, y'all are winning the Super Bowl. No, yeah, no doubt about it. 
Like that I, offensive line and that 49ers defense, like it's just it's not gonna work. Do you remember what happened with the Bucks off defensive line last year right. against the Chiefs? Like that's how that game would go. I'm I am I gotta say, I'm terrified of the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. As as any team should be, right? Like I just I am terrified. Yeah, I don't think but, you beat the Chiefs. I don't think you'll score enough. I just don't think you Jimmy can play from behind like that. I, I don't, gotta say, man, that's what I've been saying for both of these games. I know. But the Chiefs, so, it's still Mahomes. You haven't done it again. It hasn't been Mahomes yet. So I don't want to take you off too much of your track. And no, this is all part of it. They're all together. All right. where, so where do you want to go next? We can go um, Brady. I think this is fascinating. What do you think he does? And we talked about like the, the Niners stuff a little bit, but like he lost. I actually think it's kind of a cool way for him to go out. Like he almost pulled off. I mean, 23, like it was a long time ago. I'm not letting that hurt me anymore. I'm not letting the Falcons 23 stuff hurt me. Like he almost did it against the Rams. He came up just short. I don't know, man. Like Gronk's probably out. It seems like Gronk's for sure walking out the door. And if that's the case, like he got his ring in Tampa. He defended his title this year. I actually think it makes a lot of sense for him for this to be it for him. Like if I'm him, I probably leave, but you know, the NFC, you do some stuff this off season, you upgrade a little bit. This defense is still really damn good in Tampa. You still have a great coaching staff. You still have talent everywhere. You just got to beef up the wide receiver room a little bit and bam, like you're a real contender of winning it all again next year. But I don't know if uh, like, what would you do if you're Brady? Do you think that's an okay ending? Would you walk out that way? I mean, the reality is, is I, it's Tom Brady. I don't know if Tom Brady can go out gracefully. I really yeah. don't. And I don't think he can go out early. Tom Brady's already too invested in saying, right. I can play till I'm 45, yada, yada, yada. I think it makes more sense to me that he tries to come home to San Francisco. than he would retire. That said, I do think it makes sense, you know. Just don't, you're, you've got a good, you got a good team. You know they've got they they can rebuild a little bit. I I, I if I was Tom Brady, I would just keep going with the Bucks. But right? you wouldn't retire. You would run it back. Well, I mean, Tom Brady's not going to retire. I don't care. You're sure him. you don't think he's doing it? If anybody wanted to bet me a hundred dollars right now that he retires this season, I would take it hmm. for sure. He's not retiring. It's Tom Brady. He did you hear him talking? About, oh well, Giselle, you know, she doesn't want me to. Blah, blah. Like, you don't care. You don't care about what Giselle thinks about your body. You are forty three years old playing football in the National Football League. If you cared about your body, no matter how healthy you are, you would have stopped at forty. You are the most competitive human being on earth. You're the greatest football player to ever play the game. You are no one on earth will ever beat a Super Bowl record ever. As long as the NFL exists, no one will ever get seven Super Bowl rings. But that's the whole argument for him just walking. There's nothing else he can do. Next year but, doesn't change his legacy whatsoever. Even if he wins the same, game. It's the same thing with Sean Payton. That stuff doesn't turn off. Yeah. What got Tom Brady there will not turn off. It didn't turn off with Peyton Manning until his arm physically gave up on him. 
Well, that was his his neck and everything. Like his whole body was, yeah, that was. But yeah, I mean, he, all of the above. I, I say yeah. the arm because he couldn't throw the fucking ball. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't throw the ball at the end. Um, and you know, Ben Roethlisberger, the same thing, right? Ben didn't stop until that that arm gave up, right? These guys don't get to the highest levels of the NFL and then just turn it off one day. And the ones that do, when it does happen, it's insane, right? For Patrick Willis to go. Guys, sorry, I'm out. Right, he had the toe injury, but he's like, nah, I don't want to do it. Calvin Johnson had to literally hate his organization so much that they ruined him so much, like they did with Barry Sanders, that they said, you know, he's like, I'm out. Like it doesn't happen often. So I, I don't think Tom retires. Um, he'll he'll be a he'll be a 49er before he retires, uh, but I think he stays in Tampa Bay. What do you do if you're Green Bay with Rodgers? Andrew Brandt was on Rich Eisen today and was he's maintaining the belief that it's Jordan Love's team next year and that Oh it is. That it's over. But I'm like You gotta understand I have not seen enough from Jordan Love to be like, yeah, here's the keys to a team that just went to what is the record in the last three years? It's something preposterous. Um I don't know, man. So Jordan Schultz just got done saying like you know, uh, sources say that Aaron Rodgers wants to go to Denver with Devontae Adams, mm-hmm. which would be insane and I'd be infuriating. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think Rodgers is gone, period, right? They did, the, they agreed upon this a year ago, right? Like they, they said, he goes, I'll come back for one year. You void my contract amount, right? So I think he's gone. Um, I just think the Green Bay's got to move on, right? They had one of the greatest quarterbacks for this long, and they've got a Super Bowl out of it. You know, the same thing with Drew Brees. You got a Super Bowl out of it. Same way with Peyton Manning and the Colts. It's nothing to, you know, it's nothing to shy away from. Super Bowl's good. Um, But I I don't think there's much left there, right? Like, you've got LaFleur is a really good young head coach. He's going to be able to rebuild the team. In his own, you know, in his own vision, rather than just having that douchebag. Can I say douchebag? I can say douchebag. That's not a is that a bad word? <laughs> can I say douchebag? Wait, let's yeah, let's keep it rolling. Okay. Well, I mean, you could obviously edit that out, but I, I, I really think that Aaron Rodgers is such an insufferable person that even if he is the greatest, you know regular season quarterback of all time. Uh, I'm sure LaFleur's done with it, right? Like, why not? Time to move on. I just, they have, it's kind of amazing. They have two titles for 30 years with Favre and Rodgers. Like, that is preposterous. Like, with the kind of quarterback luck that Green Bay has had, that, like, the Braves getting one title in 14 straight division titles, like, that was, that was rough winning the division 14 years in a row and only having one world series. Um, but man, <sighs> Rogers was probably the MVP again this year. And you just walk away and you just hope that you're going three for three in the all time. Great quarterback rotation. Like, I don't know if I, if I was green Bay, if I'm Gutenkust and Murphy and everybody else, I'm running it back. I'm like, until Rogers says I'm out. I'm just going to keep this going. Like I'm, I'm riding this till the end because I am not 
a believer in Jordan Love, and I also just don't think anyone's luck is that good to go three for three. I, I think it's almost impossible. Like I was saying, I don't think I, – I agree. I think Gooden-Kiss is like, hey, if he wants to stay, hell yeah. And I think that I'm sure LaFleur is the same way. But I think Aaron's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he specifically said last year, we're changing like, up. Why would you want to go? Like if you're him and Adams, like you're in the NFC North, rebuilding division, you have the Lions – who are awful. The Vikings are about to go through stuff. The Bears, who are about to go through a rebuild. You have an NFC that's basically wide open that you're dominating year over year. You want to go to Denver and play Patrick Mahomes twice a year? What? Justin Herbert twice a year? What? I mean... What is the... I don't understand that. So I don't know. What what else is there to understand? He hates the Packers. I don't get that either. how, How are you not... Like, are we, did we not Packers didn't do anything last, wrong? I don't know, man. Like they've been pretty good the last two years. But what I'm saying is like, they're still winning a bunch. Like, no, no, you don't, that doesn't matter. Stop. Yeah. Stop. That's absolutely not enough to magic eraser. All of that whole not drafting a receiver for two years and then drafting Jordan love like pack. I mean, they yes, the season was great for them. Regular season, they lost to the 49ers again because they're pathetic. Um, but that does not change that they literally had to restructure his contract because he was gonna hold out. And this was his last year. Mm. This is remember the last ride or whatever it was he was yeah. call. Yeah, like my camera really does not like when I move my arm. What are you doing up there, bud? Um but I don't, yeah, I agree. I wouldn't want to go to the AFC West either. But if you're Aaron Rodgers, are you worried about Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert? You're probably the cockiest guy on earth. You should be worried. That's a really hard thing. No, no, That's no. Really, yeah. Do you and I worried? Yes, yeah. we're, we're, we're smart individuals that don't have egos. Well, like Aaron Pat McAfee and AJ Hawk need to pull them aside on these Monday appearances and be like, hey, man, uh, you got it pretty good in Green Bay. I might just ride that one out, man. I don't know know how much longer either. Maybe, maybe Aaron Rodgers is trying to get out of the NFC so that he no longer has to see the 49ers. Oh, maybe he's ducking the 49ers. He got beat by him four times and he's just like, Hey, I got to get out of the NFC. It's the only option, man. Cause you know, they're probably super bound. If they get the Cowboys in this spot, and then they get the Rams. Like I think they're probably fine with both of those. Well, if 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 the Rams would have beat us that last game of the season, right? The Saints would have been yes. who they played, right? No, they, no, because the Saints no the Saints would have like they had the bye, yeah. So it would have been the Saints Cowboys, yeah. And then whoever won that game, right? So the right. Cowboys would have played them, yeah. Yeah, they probably beat the Cowboys. Maybe Man. who knows? Yeah, there's just a bad matchup for them. Um, but I think you enjoy it. I think you enjoy it. Um, do you think the Titans, we haven't mentioned them at all. Both number one seeds go down the divisional round. I think that was, was that the first time ever? Or was it the first time in a long time? I can't remember what whether or not that was the case. Um, but on their side of things, is that it? Are they going to have a better shot than what they just had in Tennessee? Number one seed in the AFC, Tannehill, Julio, Derrick Henry, who was back for this game. And they just lay an egg against Cincinnati. They waste an all-time great defensive effort. I don't know. That is a tough 
situation to come back from, right? Listen, you have A.J. Brown as one of the best receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You've got Derrick Henry, who I think he came back too late, to be honest with you. I mean, he's running with five screws and a plate in his foot, you know? Um, so I think that that was probably not a good, you know, it's just, it was a desperation move. I get why they did it. But you guys, listen, not many people are talking about it. And I don't want to say it out loud because I, it's too good of an idea. But like you said it yourself, why would Aaron Rodgers want to go to the AFC West? They got to get rid of Tannehill. Aaron Rodgers gets to go to Nashville, Tennessee, a little more Republican, a little more conservative, gets to go on bussing with the boys, goes to go on that pod a lot, right? Nashville's a very popular uh, place for, for sports athletes, right? George Kittle plays or trains out there. I mean, Tannehill is quite literally the reason why that team lost. But you have to trade him. Like, he's due a crazy amount of money. Like, they cannot get out. His, I think he has like 24 million guaranteed next year. Like, he's, he's, he's locked in. (laughs) Like, I think they're in trouble with this contract. Um, But no, Rodgers in Tennessee makes more sense because you would put him in the AFC South with that group, with the Jags, the Texans, with the Colts. Yeah, that yeah, so that makes sense. Rogers doing that, that makes sense. I could see that. So uh, is it, I gotta ask, is is twenty twenty two this season for him, or is it gonna be his twenty twenty three salary cap? Twenty twenty two. So it'll be his twenty twenty two. Okay. Mm. So his base salary is twenty nine million. His cap mm. hit is thirty eight point oh. six million. Dead cap is fifty seven. <laughs> no, they're locked in with him, man. Oh, God, they've got him for two more years. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill is the reason why the Titans are not going to do anything in the playoffs. And I hate to say that because my best friend's a Titans fan. But, my God, I've been trying to tell you guys that I don't I don't have faith in Tannehill. And then finally – Wait, I have a question for you then. You put Tannehill under center for the Niners the last two weeks. They won I, both games? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Oh. I – Absolutely not. I will take Jimmy over Ryan Tannehill. I've said that on Twitter. I will take Ryan. Uh, absolutely. Ryan Tannehill is a great story getting away from Adam Gase. I'm happy to, for him. But if you watch what Ryan Tannehill does in the playoffs, man, like I'm taking Jimmy every single time. Hmm. If you're no, Jim Harbaugh, do you take the Raiders job? Leave Michigan? I think Jim Harbaugh should take the Bears position. I but I don't think that the Chicago wants him. That's kind of been what's been talked about. Yeah, he's not even a finalist. I don't think that's in play. Yeah. I I need Jim Harbaugh back in the NFL. Desperately. And I need it. That's it. I need it. And if he's not gonna and as long as he's not going to the NFC, I would I don't want him to go to the NFC. Um I would like to see him in the Super Bowl, just you know, because I know we win. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I'm okay with the Raiders. If the Raiders were still in Oakland, I'd say absolutely not. But I think that they're they're far enough removed from the Bay that I can be okay with that. Jim Harbaugh needs to be in the NFL, though, period. He did the – you know, he won Michigan's championship, right? He beat Ohio State. He can go now. He gave them their win. Well, it will come down to whether or not he believes that 
he can win two playoff games with their roster. And right. I just, I don't know. It's just so hard to compete in college football for championships. It's just, it, folks do not understand just how much more difficult it is to go from good to top tier to contender. In how football. could you ever want to coach against Alabama? It's, it's not fun. Um, it's also just seeing like they're going to be better next year. Like Alabama almost won a national title this year. They came within a couple of drives on a bad Alabama team, bad on their circumstances. Like this was one of the worst years they've had running the football. They lost both receivers. They had trouble all like the offensive line was not as great. The defense was not what it used to be. And they still almost won a national title. They almost went back to back on a down year man like it was a down year for alabama all year we were all like oh this is weird they're playing with arkansas late they lost to a&m on the road this is weird and then they just still find a way and like yeah it's just it's not the same so i'm just like if you're harbaugh you're like what are the odds that i can beat georgia and bama in back-to-back weeks i think i think this year was like great right you had aiden hutchinson Mm -hmm. Right. Like I like this year was a great year for Michigan. They should be really proud of it. But like, you know, as an Oregon fan, I've been watching teams like Michigan and Oregon, you know, punch above their weight class a lot for a long time. And it's just never enough. Yeah. Right? Oregon's lost two national championships. It's never enough. And I just say, I, 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 I don't know that if I'm Harbaugh, you coach your alma mater, it was a great story, great you know thing for a long time. Finally, beat Ohio State after years of not being able to do it. Go back to the NFL. You had a lot of success there, man. I'm sure you went to Super Bowl. You can win a title. Harbaugh right. can win a Super Bowl. I just right. don't think you can win a national title at Michigan. And hey, man, guess who's about to be uh, available again? Who? Vic, Vic Fangio. <laughs> That's true. Literally. Wait, can we can we do Dean Pease and Vic Fangio as co-DCs in Atlanta? Let's do that. Let's do that. Maybe if we put them both in Atlanta, we'll have one competent pass rusher. No, I think, yeah, I think, I I think Harbaugh, if he does go to Oakland, if he can get Fangio, I mean, you're, what is it? You're kicking, you're cooking with gas. That would be something. I met, I guess they'd be a package deal again. Um, We'll end on this, Mr. Swords, our picks for this weekend. I gave you mine. It's our pick them. Forget the lines. Give me our give me your picks. How do you think it goes this weekend? I don't I I I refuse. The 49ers are going to beat the Rams. Okay. You know, I as much as I worry about statistics and like how what are the odds of beating the team this many times, yada 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 yada. Uh Vivid Seats has a predictive model right now with the 49ers fans having at least 35% of the of the, the tickets. Mm-hmm. This is this will be a absolute home game for the 49ers. Um, mm. They're just they're just a louder fan base, right? The LA fan base. Like I, I have some friends here. I know some people here that uh, you know go to games just because it's fun because they got a lot of money, right? That's 49ers, why I want to go to games because I have a lot of money, uh, right? Say, tell me about it. Um, but I think the 49ers win this game. Uh, Shanahan knows exactly what to expect from this team. They've got the better defense. They've got better skill position players. Just barely, though. I mean, they're both really good. There's a better coach team. D'Amico's playing out of his mind. 
Um, so I, yeah, I do. And, you know, like, uh, you know, as much as I absolutely love the Joe Burrow story and, you know, I love watching how right you've been, I would love for the Bengals to win. I really would. I would absolutely hard, man. That'd be such a cool story. Well, yeah. Especially I mean, for the city of Cincinnati. Like that. Also, it would be just great for Joe Burrow to be like, I, I, this is my block now, right? Like I went up against the beast Titans that were the Kansas city chiefs and you know, won, right? So I don't know, man, the chiefs are terrifying, man. They really are in such a different way. Like they're not an Alabama terrifying. They're not a new England terrifying. They're like, you won't stop us. So I got to take the Chiefs, take them the 49ers, and a Super Bowl rematch. Hmm. That will be fun. I wish they split it up one game on Saturday, one game on Sunday. I don't like that they did both on Sunday. I like them split. A little bit of a breather because I feel like this is going to be, and for you, man, you got to get through the whole day. You're the second game. Well, so well again, it's 3.30 your time. Never mind. No, I'll be in Denver. So be an hour oh, ahead. that's right. So here's the thing, and this is what's interesting. So, mm. you know, Friday we get in. I get in Friday or Thursday mm. actually, and we'll ha- I'll be low key. Friday though, I'm gonna go see my buddy who's married with two kids and they're pregnant with a third. So we're gonna just have dinner, very calm dinner, but we'll probably go out afterwards with some friends. So we'll probably get after it a little bit Friday, nothing <laughs> crazy. Saturday I'm going snowboarding, and I'll be snowboarding all day. So then Sunday, I'm hoping, you know, if I, if I, I'm assuming I don't go out Saturday after snowboarding. Okay. But Sunday, I'm going to wake up and we're going to be watching football all day. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is like my 17th game, right? Like I am, I'm like, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on fumes. That exhausted me. You just laying it out. I, I don't. I wouldn't sign up for any of that. I, I, I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> I don't. Uh, you go on runs and stuff, though. It's a whole different. I do runs, but my weekends. I like to. I don't know. I keep them. Keep them low key these days. Um, we got to. Uh, it's different when you're in your thirties, sir. Trust me, I'm thirty four. I know. I didn't think I'd ever make it to this age, <laughs> but sir, it is so past your bedtime. Go to bed. It is past my bedtime, but Mr. Swords, I cannot, cannot go to bed until I know what the good people should do as per you. Well, I mean, like, let's, let's break it down, right? All year long, all we (laughs) talked about specifically was, is Joe Burrow better than Justin Herbert? And I got to say in the beginning of the season, right? We really, we really... I think I think I was almost right, right? I think Justin Herbert came out swinging pretty aggressively. Um, you know, and I had my moments with Justin. He had a great year. But here we go. Justin, Joe Burrow, right? The Cincinnati Bengals are in mm-hmm. the playoffs, right? One game away from the Super Bowl. And I think that alone, to celebrate you and mm-hmm. all that you have been right about this year, deserves basically maybe probably the easiest thing that any of of these listeners will do all week, all day, all month, all year, right? Just Mm -hmm. jumping on their phone, going into iTunes podcasts, picking the Chase Thomas podcast, 
and then just going to a little review and just doing five stars. Like it's, there's literally like, I'm going to get up after this podcast. You can actually see, I'm going to go in that room. I'm going to go lay down on my bed once I'm done getting ready. Mm-hmm. It'll be like a, like a million times less effort than that. Right. Just going in, just clicking, doing five star review. And I think that's just like it's the least, the least that they could do. That was great. The least. That was great. That is the least. But I appreciate that. Mr. Swords, keep up with the good folks uh, at 49ersHub.com. Go support them there. All 49ers fan, all the 49ers info that you need ahead of this weekend's contest against the Los Angeles Rams. Follow Mr. Swords on Twitter.com, Burner underscore Swords. Follow myself at Chase underscore Thomas. Do all the good stuff. Rate, view, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the good stuff. ChaseThomasPodcast.com. Evan, have yourself a great week. Good luck. I don't know why we're saluting each other. What a way. I'm just tired and old. Um, I will talk to you next week, my friend. Have a good week. Talk to you guys soon. All right. We are back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am now joined... By old friend, Mr. Front Office Los Carlos Medina from 6A to the Fan. Los, good evening, sir. How are you? Chase, you know I have quite a bit of love and respect for you because after, oh, I don't know, a four-hour radio show followed by another two-hour radio show, you reached out to me and said, can you come on? I was like, man, I'm going to be worn out, but I'm here for you. And and you know what? Because you said it was Cowboys, mm. I pretty much already decided I'm going to pour a bourbon because the Cowboys make me drink. So if, if we were going to talk Georgia or something else, then no, it'd be totally cool. But that team makes me drink. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's where we got to start because the Cowboys are in an interesting spot. And your team that makes you drink is also the team that just has the coordinators that seemingly every NFL franchise that has an open spot for head coach is after. Isn't that kind of weird? You know, it didn't surprise me as far as Kellen Moore. I kind of expected that over the last couple of years when you've had the amount of offensive output that they've been able to put together. And and they're pretty creative offensively uh, with a lot of their player personnel packages and some of the stuff they've been able to do, some of the guys they've been able to develop into players. Not surprising there. When it came to Dan Quinn, I, I told everybody in Dallas when I was doing their radio shows, the goal is for him to get you into the middle of the pack. They've been 32nd defensively under Mike Nolan. And so if you could just get to 15 or 14, And then they end up creating a bunch of turnovers. Suddenly it turned Dan Quinn back into the bell of the ball where, hey, here's a guy who just turned a defense around. And oh, by the way, he took the Falcons to the Super Bowl. Suddenly he's a hot commodity. What do you think Dan Quinn will be like in his second job? Is he someone that you think will be he'll be better equipped to succeed long term in job number two? Or do you think he was always meant to be a defensive coordinator? It's a little bit of both. And I don't mean to fence it on that because it wasn't like they were not successful here in Atlanta. Right. You know, Dan Quinn, you know, hand selected Kyle Shanahan as his guy to run the offense. And obviously they had a lot of success when he went and got Steve Sarkeesian. Again, a lot of offensive success. It just kind of ran out of time here. And so if you're telling me somebody else wants to make a commitment to a guy who hopefully he's a little less rah-rah and a little bit more game manager, I think you have a chance at success. And if there's one thing that we have found with Dan Quinn and at least the stop in at Atlanta and then the stop in Dallas, he has been a change agent. And, and I think that's a lot of what teams are looking for when they're looking to get over the hump or they're looking to rebuild their program. They want to change agent. And that's what Dan Quinn has been. 
who do you expect to be a better like if you look at the situations and it's it's so hard because I mean obviously defensive side of the ball offensive side of the ball but Kellen Moore more often than not is or sooner rather than later um, is going to get a head coaching job Dan Quinn the fact that he's gotten this much interest garnered this much interest um, after one year in Dallas it's very clear that he's going to get another head coaching job before uh, not too long. Um, when you think about both those two guys, who are you more concerned about losing? If you're, you're a Cowboys fan like yourself, I, I believe Kellen Moore just because of the creativity of the offense. And there's something to it. When you start telling me about quarterback, offensive coordinator, head coach, that I think is something that is, is very important. That continuity in the NFL, I think breeds a lot of success. When you start changing offensive coordinators regularly, uh, we saw this here in Atlanta with Matt Ryan, well, you're putting him in a new system every two to three years. And so the mastery of the system never seemed to really take off. I think when you talk about Dak Prescott, he knows this system. He's very comfortable in it. There's a reason why he's been very successful in it. 37 touchdowns and 10 interceptions this past year. I, I think that would be the one I'd be more concerned about. Defensive players, they can adapt. If you get a guy in there who's schematically X's and O's solid and who brings some energy, I think you can still be successful defensively that way. How much of the success this year was... Dan Quinn just being a lightning rod for that defense and just being such an upgrade over Mike Nolan and how much of it was Kellen Moore still just proving to be one of the the better offensive coordinators in, in the NFL. Well, Kellen Moore speaks for himself for the last two years, what, what he's been able to put together when he's had a healthy Dak Prescott. I think the key with Dan Quinn, there was a couple things there that kind of came together. One, it wasn't a Zoom COVID year. That, I think, was very difficult on a new staff and Mike Nolan to try and get defensive players all on the same page when they're having to learn basically on a Zoom call. There, there was not a whole lot of regular workouts. It was not a whole lot of regular training camp stuff. And so I think he already kind of started behind the eight ball. And then when he tried to implement a pretty complicated defense, it wasn't going to work. Dan Quinn, if, if there's something I would definitely say about him, he came in and he didn't simplify things, but he made it very simple conceptually to say, here on this play, these are your roles, and this is all your role is. And I think he set those guys up to be very successful by just kind of making things a lot easier and allowing those guys to play very fast. Who, like, was it Diggs who gained the most? Was it Parsons? What about like what Quinn did for Micah Parsons that really unleashed him as a rookie, being so good that he was actually in just defensive player of the year uh, candidacy? And that was like a realistic case, and that it still is right now the realistic case. It was a creativity uh, from week to week. Micah Parsons role would change. He he would basically start as an inside linebacker. He would play a little bit of weak side linebacker. And then by the time they had their injuries to, to tank Lawrence, Randy Gregory, when they played the LA chargers, suddenly Micah Parsons was lined up as, as a defensive end for the entirety of that football game. And he made the key, uh, the key play on Justin Herbert to win that football game. I, I think that was the thing that really jumped out was that he had a player that he was free to use in a totally different number of ways. You can look at the sat totals for Micah Parsons and there's no uniformity to it. It wasn't like it was always off the edge. It was, you know, he'd come from the slot. He'd come from the middle linebacker position. He was all over the field. And so uh, similar to what Dan had in Seattle, he had dynamic defensive football players. When you have dynamic defensive football players, he can make some stuff happen. And that's what he had with Micah Parsons into, into a certain extent digs as well. Do you think Parsons is someone that it just doesn't matter who the next DC is? If Quinn gets the bears or giants job, are you, are you okay with him with digs with a lot of your stars? Was it not a system thing that they brought in that are, are you at all concerned that they will regress a little bit depending on who comes in after them? 
I, I think that you're going to get some regression no matter what, because they were a team that when you look at their turnovers and turnovers, you can't, you can't tell, like everyone says, well, I'm going to coach turnovers. They are, they're 50, 50 situations. A ball on the ground has as much of a chance of being picked up by me as it does you. It's a 50, 50 mm -hmm. deal. And so when you have so many turnovers, they did, I don't think you can project that happening again. And so you can say it's a coaching change or whoever comes in. If Dan Quinn was there next year, I still don't think they create as many turnovers. It was just a crazy year that they were able to get a ton of them. They've got players that can generate them. It's just one of those deals. You you can't go into a season and say, you know, we were able to create 25 turnovers. Let's create 25 again. It just doesn't work that way in the NFL. What's the cap situation when you're looking at it and what they have lying ahead? Because it seems like there was a lot of part of the doom and gloom was not just the loss in the way they lost to the Niners. It was more of like, this was the team. This was the year. And a lot of times it's a little hyperbolic when folks talk about their teams like that. Of like, if not this year, then when, um, but do you think there is some layer of truth to that with the way their cap situation is with the roster turnover that might await them this off season? Or do you think that this is still a group that they can keep a lot of the important cogs? They can do some stuff in free agency in the draft and, and be just, basically where they're going they were this past year next year well a lot of it's going to come down to what will mcclay is able to do for the draft uh, this team was very good this past offseason of adding small component uh, parts uh you know for instance when they brought in curse to play safety everyone kind of looked at him and was like well what is his job going to be and they told him you're going to defend tight ends and that's what your role is going to be and he was very good at it this year that's a guy who's a free agent you don't know if you're going to be able to get him back. Over the last two years, they developed Dalton Schultz into a pretty solid tight end in this league. He had over 800 yards. That's a free agent. You don't know if you're going to be able to get him back. And, and so there's a lot of smaller parts like that. They're, the core is going to still be the core of guys. But what made them so good this year was that they got those other component pieces to show up and play very well for them. Malik Hooker played a pretty good role for them. Uh, you, you even had at a certain point, you had guys that you just said, all right, you brought them in on a one-year deal. Let's see what happens. Well, when they perform well, those guys tend to go get multi-year deals other places. So uh, for a team that's sitting over the cap, but not by a crazy amount, they're not going to be as aggressive as they were last offseason in getting those one-year deals with key veterans. How surprised were you by the offensive line play down the stretch here? Not very, because that was a group where it was a bunch of moving parts all year long. Tyron Smith had a number of different injuries, and so he wasn't there at left tackle on a regular basis. Uh, Lael Collins had a suspension where he was missed out over at right tackle for a number of games. The interior of the offensive line, Connor Williams was one of the incredibly frustrating people to watch at guard just because the amount of holds he had and the, t the different times that he would be out of position. He's a free agent. I don't think that he's going to be coming back anytime soon. But for the most part, it was just the lack of continuity on the offensive line with what they wanted. They didn't have it. And so to see them have such success offensively, I think that really speaks to what they were able to do with some of their young guys, how they called their offense. But when you end up playing a team like the 49ers and you get dominated on the, on the offensive line, uh, it, it's not a surprise. You, you were never at full strength there and you were never uh, playing in a, in a very solid fashion as far as all five guys on a regular basis. Were the Niners just a terrible matchup for the Cowboys and then you think they probably would have been okay with some of the other teams in the playoffs that they had gotten them in round one? No, I, I don't want to make that excuse. The, the reason why it's is... It's an excuse. I mean, matchups matter. Like, their matchups matter and it's fair to be like, hey, we would have done, we would have fared better with this particular scheme, this particular set of talent than other teams. I think that's fair. What I would say is this. When you looked at when they played anybody, um, most notably, if you talk about playoff teams they beat, that mm -hmm. was Philadelphia. Okay. Outside of that, it was New England and they got him in overtime. 
if they played anyone who was pretty good, like what they had to do against the AFC West, they got their heads kicked in by the AFC West. Uh, the, the NFC West was obviously one of the tougher uh, divisions in all of football. They had just gotten beat by Arizona a couple weeks before. And so I didn't go into that game thinking that they were somehow this more dominant football team or a better football team going into that game. I think San Francisco had won nine of 11. So to me, it really didn't matter. They were a team. I don't want to say like paper champion, but they beat who they were supposed to beat. And then they played 50, 50 ball with everybody else who was on their level. And so at no point did I ever look at it and say, oh yeah, 49ers, not a problem. If it had been Arizona, I think they would have had the same sort of problems. I think you just described the Chicago white Sox in 2021. That was their whole deal. That's their deal. That's that's hey, you beat who you're supposed to beat, and then you beat everybody else, right? (laughs) And then they lost everybody. Yeah, it was just one of those where like uh, that was the most. I don't know if you remember like just the postseason keep up with that, but like just the White Sox. I was banging just whatever it is. Just spent like mortgage the house on the White Sox not winning a playoff series. Like this is not happening. It's all fool's gold. Um, with Dak though, how would you like when you look at him down the stretch, and especially in that particular game with the pass rush? Do you have? Do you feel differently about Dak at this point? Um, in the like at this point in the process with Dak as your quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys than you did at this time a year ago? No, only because seeing what happened to that team when he obviously got hurt and how offensively they fell apart. It, it, having him healthy, as long as he's healthy, you're always going to have a shot in the playoffs. I, I still remember his rookie year. You can go back and look at the numbers against Aaron Rodgers. Now, they got beaten that game on a last-second throw to Jared Cook and then a 50-some-yard field goal. But Dak Prescott outplayed Aaron Rodgers in that game, statistically and everywhere else on the field. It was just their defense fell behind. I think as long as you can get to the playoffs and have a healthy guy who's playing well, I think you like your opportunities. I I, kind of look at it not in the same fashion, but it used to be, can you get Michael Vick to the playoffs healthy? Can you get some of these key quarterbacks to the playoffs playing well and healthy? If you do, they give you a shot. I, I feel the same way watching even Josh Allen. For the next decade, get to the playoffs, have him healthy, you got a shot. It's the same kind of concept of you have a pretty talented football player. Can you just put enough around him and, and get him protected and get him taken care of? Yeah, it seems like the Josh Allen difference with him and Cam was just that like they were not using him as a runner whatsoever in the regular season. They're like, all right, now the games really matter and we're here like he's going to run do whatever you want Josh like you can run take hits 17 yard scrambles goal lines like you're you're going to put the ball in your hands and if you it's the whole the, the old adage if he dies he dies chase get him to the playoffs healthy yeah that's that's going to be the case with kyler murray with Mm -hmm. lamar jackson so many of these guys especially even the older guys matthew stafford at this point you know tom brady that was always the goal there get him there healthy and let him do their work and at some point one of them is going to break through for you. And I feel the exact same way about Dak Prescott. Keep him healthy, keep him playing well, and see what happens when you get into the playoffs. How does Ezekiel Elliott factor into this offseason? That one's going to be complicated. You knew that he was hurt during the year because he had a lot of burst at the beginning of the year, and then he went through a lull. And we found out during the closing press conference, he had a torn PCL. Now, you can play with that, but it's going to hinder you. And so I think a lot of it now moving forward, you're basically connected to him for another year. Mm-hmm. And then it turns into, all right, what are we getting and what are we willing to keep spending? What's the cap number going to be at? He came into this league so young and they signed him so early after three years that it's not like you can not move on from his cap situation, but you want to make sure, hey, if he's productive, let's go another year. Hey, if he's productive, let's go another year. If he's not, all right, move on to the next one. That's kind of the nature of, N- of NFL running backs. 
Are you a Tony Pollard guy? Do you think he eventually takes that role after next year? Or do you think it's just the way the NFL works? It's just by then you don't pay Tony Pollard either. So you just he'll he'll be fine for somebody else. It's the the Tevin Coleman situation. Yeah, you know what? Tony Pollard is such a dynamic weapon for them that if you're able to bring him back and, and get him on a three-year deal, you do it. But he's never going to be your guy who can carry the workload. And, and to a certain extent, Zeke is one of the last ones in the league that, hey, you know what? We're going to give this guy 20 carries every single game. And that's different when I was growing up where it was 25-30. But there are very few guys there like that. You know, it's the Dalvin Cooks of the world. Here's the Zeke's of the world. Christian McCaffrey's a guy that you can't even do that with at this point in his career. You've seen what happens. So, you know, the, the Derrick Henry's, the guys like that, those are few and far between. That's the reason why if you do have a Tony Pollard and you move on from Zeke, it doesn't mean he's going to be the workhorse. It's just going to mean he's going to be part of a dynamic, different backfield with some guys that can do some different stuff. Put yourself in Mike McCarthy's uh, shoes here in the, the Niners playoff game. What do you do differently now that you've seen it? Hindsight being twenty twenty, but like, what do you, as you're watching this game, taking notes, thinking about decisions that he made and decisions that the team made, what would you have done differently? I would have three or four weeks before started talking to the team as much as I could about their lack of discipline, especially their pre-play discipline. That's what got them beat. You can't have 10 penalties where essentially you're not lining up correctly. You're making silly plays happen. Now, now Trent Williams, I'll give him credit. He was doing some old school stuff at left tackle as far as like a foot shift. And it was getting mm-hmm. Randy Gregory to jump and the league. You don't see it called a lot. It's again, it's, it's a very experienced NFL left tackle thing to do. But then you got to teach Grandy Gregory, this is what this guy's going to do to you. You got to stop jumping off sides. You got to stop making these silly plays. That's where they lost the game. I, I, I don't go back to one singular play. I don't sit back and say, oh, if they'd only punted this or they'd only kicked that or they'd only did whatever. They got beat because they were the less disciplined football team. They ran into a more disciplined football team that's on a roll. There, there's no singular play that's going to change that, in my opinion. If Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn are both gone and you have to fill both of those slots do you have anyone in mind at the moment oh no that's that's one of those deals where uh, you know there's been so much turnover with dallas on their defensive as far as their defensive coordinators over the last several years that it really just becomes all right who's the next guy that you like what direction do you want to go you just got fired by seattle just bring in another old Uh, just just another guy another cowboy (laughs) dude here's what we're gonna go ahead and do i I think it's much more problematic with kellen moore and kellen moore's had some opportunities he got the the call from boise state last year and he didn't want to be the guy who went back to his old school because eventually you're going to get fired by your own school it's just kind of how it goes i'm going to be curious to see if anybody wants to take a shot at him because he's relatively a younger guy in this league He, he is still the person and this is one of the little funny notes about it in 2016, the only reason Dak Prescott got to start early on in the season is because Kellen Moore broke his leg in training camp after Tony Romo went down. He's not that far removed from being a player in this league. So th- that's where I think it's still going to be a little bit of time before I think he really gets a legitimate chance at being a head coach. Does part of you think he's just waiting to take over as head coach for the Dallas Cowboys? I think there's always going to be that, that wonder because Jerry Jones and the Jones family. Mm -hmm. They've always been looking for the next Tom Landry, the guy that's a young guy who can be there for forever and they can build around. And that's a that's a lot of the reason why Jason Garrett and I don't know if you recall this, Chase, Mm -hmm. Jason Garrett was was hired before Wade Phillips was. Yeah, they they brought him in and were like, he's going to be the official. He's going to be eventually the head coach, but he's going to be the offensive coordinator as of now. Mm-hmm. I think that they're going to look and say if they can get Kellen Moore and get him to stay, eventually they'd love to have him be the head coach. But 
hey, you now you have a guy like Sean Payton out there. And, and the Jones family has had a fascination with Payton for the better part of a decade. Whether or not they can get him in 2023, we'll see what happens. I don't know. That was such a genuine press conference. That was like a guy like who just took his last college paper or turned in his <laughs> last college paper and was like, I'm done. That was a fun ride. He was handing out, what was that treat? And he gave one to Gail Benson where he, I, I don't know when you're giving out like biscuits or whatever that is. Um, and biscuits have a special place in the 680 family. Uh, oh, of course. <laughs> certain people have biscuits waiting for them whenever they want it. Um, but no, I, I don't know. I, th- I feel like he's done. And like when I, I think it was Breer on Patrick's show earlier this week, who just mentioned that like, he's always wanted to do TV and like, he's just, whenever he does leave, he's probably just going to go to TV. So I don't know. It, it is interesting. I think that guy just wants to hang out and uh, take some time off because the Cowboys job will always be there. I think he can take time off. And even if McCarthy or whoever is in year four down the line and Peyton's like, hey, I might come back if you want to call in there. I think they'll listen. So I think I think Peyton's got a lot of a lot of power and a lot of sway. But I, I don't know. I don't know how he'll be on TV. What do you think? I don't know. I still remember that there was a Dick Vermeil who cried and basically said he was burnt out and that he was back in the NFL 20 years later. It's like these guys can't seem to let it go. And and, and Sean Payton's still relatively young compared to some of these guys that are around the league. Mm. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a year or two and then, hey, the fire is burning again. And I, I also look at it and realize that the worst cap situation in the league right now is in New Orleans. They're $78 million over the cap. A cap, by the way, is going up by about $15 million, and yet they're $78 million over. There's not really a quarterback there, and suddenly there's not a coach. Bill Parcells, years ago, told Sean Payton, don't take that job. You can't win there. It's a bad situation. Do not take that job. He took it anyway, and he turned it into what he turned it into. That doesn't mean that the New Orleans job doesn't go right back to being one of the worst jobs in the NFL, especially with the cap situation now. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see what he ultimately does. Um, and like these coaches giving advice, do you remember uh, for your guy, Jimmy Johnson, like why he even took Miami back in the day? This no, was I don't even remember. Yeah. Okay. Have you read the Boys Will Be Boys book by Perlman? It, years and years and years ago. It's so good. The reason I remember this, I read that one in particular a couple months ago. And I remember outside of the Michael Irvin barbershop story. Um, oh, yeah. Everett MacGyver. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, a, that's a crazy story, too. That's how you open the book. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm just spending my afternoon uh, getting through this because I need to know every little detail. But essentially, um, it wasn't Tom Lant. It was uh, who was the Oklahoma? Uh, Barry Switzer, I think, is really close to um, Jimmy Johnson. And Johnson was at Oklahoma State, and Miami was calling, and Miami was in a in a rough spot at the moment. But it was this: oh, what can you do at Miami if the right coach comes in there and the right people buy in? But he was winning at Oklahoma State, and no one what like thought he should take the Oklahoma State job because that's a really tough place to win in Stillwater. And he turned it around and then he was like, you're still not going to win a national title here. You know that like that was the the tone of just like, you've done all you can. And he's like, oh, all right, well, I guess I'll go to Miami and do that. But that was it. Like he just got told by a guy he really respected at OU. He was like, you're not going to be OU. And like there's there is a ceiling at coaching at Oklahoma State that doesn't exist at Miami. So I don't know. That's interesting. I, I wonder how often coaches just all talk to each other about certain stuff like that in the well, NFL well, and in college. Well, do you know the, the Barry Switzer story about when mm-hmm. he got the call from, from Jerry Jones, he gets the call mm-hmm. because him and Jimmy have had their, their hotel blow up and things are mm-hmm. going to be splitting up. 
Barry Switzer shows up at the facility and he's like, where's Jimmy? They're like, well, he's gone. He's like, well, get his ass back here because I'm going to make sure that you guys know what the hell you're doing. He wanted to put them back together and fix yeah. it because again, that's, he went back. He was those kind of friends with them. It's like, guys, y'all have something special. What are you doing? That's, that's obviously it didn't work out, but that no. was what his plan was. Cause uh, yeah, he, he was close with those guys. It's everything's connected. It, when you think everything's not connected, folks, I promise you, there is so much in sports that just you it's incestuous, and- <laughs> is what it is. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody works with each other. It's it's not unlike radio in that regard. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Los, what do you what do you think ultimately? What do you think the the Cowboys do? Do you think they stay the course in McCarthy? Do you think they shake up anything substantial? Do you think what what do you, what is your gut telling you about the Cowboys this offseason? I think they want to keep the thing as close together as possible, you know, perhaps using the franchise tag on a Randy Gregory or even maybe a Dalton Schultz. I think they want to take one more shot at this with this group because by and large, there were guys that were missing, whether it was COVID, whether it was injury, they never really were able to have every piece of the puzzle together on a regular basis. If you're telling me what they might look to do in the draft, I think they're definitely going to shore up a little bit of that offensive line that has gotten older. It has changed. Zach Martin's still a very high end player, but I think they would like to infuse some more youth into that thing. And then at this point, let's see what happens next year. I don't expect anything different. They're just kind of what they are, you know, go win 12 games, you know, beat up on their division, then uh, get beat by a better team. It's a, it's it's again it's why i drink it, it's why when i they make me drink that's how it goes well it's also just that like you don't have a choice like the nfc east it can turn around maybe in a couple of years depending on what the eagles do but like it's not going anywhere the giants are awful and it's going to take some time no matter who they hire it's brian dabble whatever like the giants aren't coming the washington football team isn't coming the eagles i think had a lot of fool's gold down the stretch here like I don't think the Cowboys have a choice in going to, back to the playoffs. As okay. funny as that sounds. Tell me who your quarterback is and I'll tell you yeah. what kind of season you're going to have. And that's, that's the thing about the Eagles. You have a really nice backup quarterback that you can run some football with, but when it comes to, all right, we got to put up some points and we got to throw the football. They're just not designed for it. And, and when you look at their three first round picks and the kind of quarterbacks that are in this draft, you know that I'm a big quarterback guy in the, in the draft stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't like any of them. So I, I don't know if they're going to be able to figure out a way to go land themselves a veteran. They they might be one of those teams where they're going to look around at the dance card and go, well, I guess we can always move something for Kirk Cousins. And now let's go at it with Kirk Cousins. It's just that's that's kind of the nature of where they're going to be at. I think this offseason. You don't like any of the quarterbacks in this draft? No, no, not, not at all. One, not, not a Matt Brown guy, not a Kenny Pickett guy at all. Here's the fun part. Now, I said this going into the season. The difference in last year and why I was an advocate for if the Falcons are going to do it, do it with this group. You had a bunch of guys that when it came to their characteristics, they were big dudes who could run with cannon arms. They were all 6'4", 6'5". They all had these measurables that you loved. Now you've got a bunch of little guys. Almost everybody in this draft group. If they have the pro size, they don't have pro arm strength or they don't have movement ability. Uh, or, hey, if you're Sam Howell, you're six foot one. You, you, all these guys are little dudes in comparison. For everyone who talks about Matt Corral, Matt Corral is going to look like a hood ornament compared <laughs> to other guys out there. He's not that big. And so uh, that's that's where if you're telling me you got to go get a franchise quarterback out of this draft, this to me is very much like the EJ Manuel draft from 2013. Oh. There's not a top 10 guy. Buffalo needs one. Who are we going to get? Let's draft EJ Manuel at 16. Then it ended up being Geno Smith that ended up going in the second round because the Jets needed a quarterback too. That to me is what this draft looks like. There's no high-end quarterback in this thing. But you're still going to see five go in the first round. You're still going to see five. Uh, right? I don't know. I don't know about that with this group. It's, uh, you know that it would be like what? Kenny Pickett, Willis, 
um, Carson I Strong. I don't know Corral. if Willis. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, when it start when you start getting right down to it, and you because what happens is this: mm-hmm. when there's two ways that general managers get fired, typically, mm-hmm. if somebody drafts the quarterback behind you that you should have gotten, you know, for instance, when Deshaun Watson and yeah. Patrick Mahomes go behind you, and you took Trubisky. Trubisky was fine. But he wasn't those guys. So, sorry, you get fired for these sort of moves. Mm-hmm. Or when you pick the wrong one. Both of those get you fired. And so these, these GMs are in this weird place of, do I want to bet my future on little Matt Corral or Malik Willis, who hasn't played outside of anywhere at Liberty? Or do I want to take a shot at Sam Howell, who, again, kind of a weird body, kind of a weird shape, and he's only about six foot? All right, I don't know if I want to bet my future on that guy. And so that's that's where I think it's going to be really dangerous and really problematic because none of them have any of the movement skills where you say, wow, that guy is, is athletically able to, to take over a football game. There's not one of those guys in this draft either. And that's something you have to consider. I mean, just in general with the Falcons. So when people, it's so much fun to theorize who the person after Matt Ryan's going to be, but it's like the odds of this person being better than Matt Ryan, pretty slim. Like Matt Ryan's the best Falcons quarterback of all time. Like the idea that the person following him it's just gonna it's gonna work and it's gonna be seamless. I'm terrified of life after Matt Ryan. I, I have no idea. Like I think we saw some stuff that is appealing, like having Kyle Pitts there for a while. Like I the Calvin Ridley stuff. I don't even know where to like how to discuss it or what to say at this point. Uh but I, I don't know. Like I, I think that that is something that Falcons fans should be more careful of when you're like, Oh, I can't wait for Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral, or we should have taken one last year. And I'm like Man, you really don't know how good you have it until it's gone. Look at the Saints right now. Look at the Panthers since Cam Newton. Look at just the the Pats um, before or after Tom Brady. Um, just you can go up and down the list of teams all around the NFL that like once you lose that franchise guy, like it's really hard to go from Philip Rivers to Justin Herbert or Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Like that is not that's the exception to the rule, right? I, I will say this because Falcons fans have been very fortunate since two thousand. Mm-hmm. They've only had one year. Where it was 2007, yeah. where they were wandering in the desert like that, where it was Byron Leftwich and 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 Joey Harrington. They've had either Mike Vick or Matt Ryan, and so you've gone you through about, like 30 years of wandering in the you, desert. Yeah, I was gonna say there's other people that are like, wow, we've been wandering in the desert this long, we haven't been able to get that guy. The Jets are a perfect example of like, yeah. oh my god, when is this ever gonna work? Uh, I, I think when you've been QB rich, I'll just say this: I remember after Troy Aikman went down in Dallas, there was a game that was started by Ryan Leaf. Okay. I started Ryan Leaf. I started Clint Sterner. I started Randall Cunningham. It went a long time before, all right, I got an end of the career, Drew Bledsoe, and then Tony Romo took over and had a, a really nice run for about just four years. Over Drew Henson? We're just going over the Drew uh, Henson. Oh, I was going to say, I'm telling you, they went through so Quincy many Carter? different guys. Oh, I'm telling you, went through so many different guys trying to figure out who was going to be the dude. Like I had, I had a season started by Vinny Testaverde. Okay, so Falcons fans have been pretty fortunate. I think you do want to find that next guy because you don't want to be in that situation where you spend a year or two going, "We're in a really bad way." How's Hoyt been since y'all uh, since his team won the national title? Is cloud, he cloud nine. He's. Okay. I mean, it, it was. Uh, he found his way into the parade. Like that's that's uh, what he was able to do in Athens. But it, it was. Uh, there was a lot of tears after the game. Uh, him and I were in we're in Indianapolis together. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of tears on the ride back home, uh, a lot of hugs. The, the funniest thing that happened for that night after walking out of Lucas Oil Stadium, and this was the respect factor that Georgia fans had for Alabama. One guy's really excited. He's walking down the street. And he just goes, yeah, nobody beats us eight times in a row. And that was the thing of like, 
finally you'd lost to them seven times in a row. And the joke, of course, nobody beats us eight times in a row. That was the respect that Georgia fans still had for Alabama, that, that they're not the boogeyman anymore. But you know what? You got them on that night. They're probably going to be better than you next year anyway. They'll get you next year. I don't know. Georgia fans seem to think that repeating is very distinct. Uh, be, be, they got to be realistic and they're going to, they're going to be good. That's just how it's going to be. They'll yeah. win the East. They'll do their thing. But Georgia's right now playing in a, in a situation where their season truly really begins first week in December going forward from now on. What happens, you know, at Mercedes Benz stadium against probably Alabama or somebody else that comes out of the West. That's what it is now for them. The, the East is not caught up to them yet. Obviously, they had their season where Florida had their their rise Hold up, on. and they did. Hold their on, thing. we I I, ra- I like I raised the banner. I have the banner somewhere in here. Tennessee was up on Georgia after the first quarter. <laughs> we are the first quarter machine. If Heupel puts three more quarters on that, we're undefeated. Like if Har- if Heupel just expands that first quarter explosion, hey, we had Alabama on the ropes midway through the third quarter. Tennessee yeah. is on the way up. Yes, way and, up. And, and I'll tell you what, Kirby Smart. In that 2017 national championship game, only trailed for one play against Alabama. <laughs> Think about that. It's that's yeah. how quickly it can happen. He trailed for one play the entire game, second and 26. We can do this all night with that sort of stuff. It's just you, you get it done, you get it done, and until you do, you you. It's that oh, that old saying. You know, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. Right now, when it comes to the East, Georgia's the man. All right. Well, Hendon Hooker is gonna. He's he's got it covered. Um, good, good luck to you. <laughs> Man, it's fun. I don't care. Um, I it's so much fun. Um, the last thing I'll say, or I'll we'll say before we wrap up here, um, the actual ride though, because I saw some videos of you, <laughs> Joe Ham. Was it Dan Matthews? Dan Boy, Matthews was driving. Yeah. Okay, John Michaels, and that's it, right? Is, am I missing anyone? Uh, our, our friend Brandon Joseph was Brandon also Joseph. riding okay. in the front seat. Yeah, yeah. You remember Brandon Joseph? He's yeah. uh, he, he he suffers no fools. Trust me on that on that ride up. Okay, what was? Give me the funniest thing that happened that you'll remember for a long time from the trip on the ride, like in the van, in the van. Uh, the Joe Ham bladder, um, the the runner up for the Heisman Trophy winner, mm-hmm. has a bladder the size of a little lady girl. Oh, um, that's me. Yeah, we, well, guess what? That was also huh? the, the one thing that we messed up on because mm-hmm. we were going to take a larger. Uh, a larger ride up there that had a built-in bathroom. But once we got it down to here were the, uh, at, at this point it was the six or seven of us that were going, we decided, okay, let's take a smaller ride. Cause it'll be easier. We'll get there faster. You can drive it more like a car. Um, it'll be more comfortable for everybody. That was a mistake because Joe ham, after we got about three hours into the trip, that's about seven to eight oh. hours. I think he had to go to the bathroom about every 20 or 30 minutes. And, oh, okay. I'm not and that bad. oh let me tell you, Dan Matthews, angry Dan started to show up. Like he just started to curse at Joe of like, I'm not stopping Joe. I'm not stopping anymore. Joe finally, I think uh, found himself a Gatorade bottle. And, and I was going to say, was there a dumb and dumber situation? That popped up yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I will remember about that ride. was that Joe ham has the smallest bladder of any man I've ever been around. Hey man, I drink a lot of water. I don't know if that's his deal. Like when you drink a lot of water and coffee and that's like basically all the fluids that you consume, it changes you. It's just, uh, it's a lot of bathroom breaks at that point. Uh, that, that ride up might've been a lot of Tito's. Okay. Well, that's a little bit different, but also another thing that does stimulate the bladder. I think there you go. Um, we'll wrap up with this Los audio fun bag. How do the good folks check that out? How is that going? Everything good. We're, uh, we're rolling right along, uh, six to eight weeknights on the fan. Uh, obviously we get a uh, knocked off every now and then when we have some of our brave programming and stuff like that. Uh, Hoyt is currently on a 
I guess a hiatus or something. I don't know. He was oh. able to get, he was able to get out of the show for the next couple of weeks just because of all the the travel and everything else. And so hopefully he's uh, back on here pretty soon. I, I it's been funny. He's been on every show for the like the last oh I don't know seven or eight days. But he's been basically like the guy who shows up, does like a segment or two, and then he's like, I got to split. He's had like sick kids and stuff like that. So it's just been one thing after another. And so, uh, like I said, we're just, we're just waiting to get the band back together. Well, you're familiar with show or with hosts who just show up and do this stuff and then leave, right? You, oh, you know oh my God. Oh, of course. I, I, I've never been that guy. But you but, know that guy. Like you, I, you've I, been I, around him a lot. I've worked with that guy. And, and uh, unfortunately, my, uh, my dear friend is now that guy. He's, uh, as he refers to himself now, he's the Hoyt. So the Hoyt gets the to take Hoyt. breaks. It, 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 it's, it's kind of like when, you know, Paul McCartney says, we're not going to record today. Mm-hmm. We then we don't record. That's how it goes. Okay. I like it. Los, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for making the time late. I know you're a busy guy. We're all busy, but I still very much appreciate you making the time, man. It means a lot. Uh, good luck uh, during the off season, but keep killing it with the audio fun bag, chuck and turn off. All that good stuff. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I will talk to you again soon. Bye, Chase. Tennessee's awful. All right. We're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am now joined by old friend, Mr. SNY's David Wurtzberger. Wurtz, good evening, sir. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Chase? Not too bad, not too bad, my friend. Um, a different recording studio we're doing today, and you get the the full look at uh, what the office looks like on the boring side, the the boring side that uh, we're doing for this video. So I got to do some stuff and uh, figure out how I'm going to spruce up uh, a video component to this podcast because I am ill prepared, and that's just where where I'm at, Bert. That's all right. You know, everyone likes a live performance, just just thrown together, so it's it's authentic, it's genuine. It is authentic and it is genuine. And that is what people get when they listen to Vert and I talk NBA on this very podcast. Um, only one of our teams, Verts, is doing well at the moment. Uh, some folks are saying that the, the Hawks are back. Some folks are saying that. I'm not saying that is explicitly. People, people are saying win streak. DeAndre Hunter avoided another serious injury. Um, Trey Young playing out of his mind. Eastern Conference player of the week. The defense is getting back on track now back at around the middle of the road the offense already in the top five in the nba as it's been all season but uh you're next no one's happy and then i'm reading a lot of pieces on cam reddish why would you trade for him if you're not going to put him in the rotation coach dibs like what's going on in new york right now what's going on with your team uh it's just been a mess of inconsistency as it's been all year i mean a week ago fans had gotten pretty excited over like a I think it was like a five wins in seven games, something like that, maybe six and eight. And then, you know, it was getting exciting. Maybe the Knicks were about to make a run. They were figuring things out, but the opponents were kind of weak. So we had to wait until they actually got some real challenges. In which case it was Charlotte at home without LaMelo Ball, uh, Minnesota, and then the Pelicans, all three of which beat the Knicks and were back in panic mode. And, Julius Randle has not come close to being that alpha scorer that he once was. RJ Barrett's leading the team in scoring since December 1st. Um, So things are different. (laughs) Trying to piece together what's gone wrong, what's possible to fix, what's a sort of just stay in hope situation. Um, Having Cam Reddish is pretty cool. Uh, (laughs) Everyone's calling for him to get (laughs) more minutes. 
um as soon as the trade happened i thought back to like some of our previous talks and just how much mm-hmm. you guys love that guy so yeah, it was pretty exciting and the knicks need a wing of that size and build and with, with the defensive upside he has and you know the offensive upside he has as well so it'd be nice to see him out there to have a set rotation right now but the set rotation just hasn't been working so changes to it need to happen the trade deadline's coming up uh, i think two weeks from now we'll see a uh, a slightly different team um whether that actually leads to more wins is is the question well yeah and i think it's it's interesting because you have (laughs) this roster now that's just built in such an interesting way because i feel like nobody has built the way the knicks have built this team out in the last two years right it's yeah i mean the surprise all nba (laughs) breakout season from Julius Randle is really what sort of sets them apart. Otherwise, they would just be, you know, another developing team through the draft. You know, RJ's mm-hmm. their next best piece, and they got him third overall pick. Um, but but the Randle thing is really what made last season, and it's what's hurt them this season. It's just he's not been the same. He, he can't score efficiently or consistently in a way that he did last year. Um, it's It's got to be mental at this point. I mean – it's just strange that he seems lost as to what he wants to do on the court, where he wants to go. Some days he'll penetrate often, try to finish at the rim a lot, be efficient around there. You know, others he's sort of relying on that jump shot and those step backs. And it all feels sort of unnatural and, and uncomfortable for him. And you know, maybe, maybe it's all right in the end because he was never supposed to be the number one guy. He's, he's not going to be the number one guy on a championship team. And they didn't really sign him to a, la- a salary, uh, a contract extension of a of a number one guy, you know. So the question is who that number one guy is going to be, and and whether that comes via trade or whether it comes via R.J. Barrett playing probably the best basketball of his career this past month, and and hopefully going forward. Yeah. Well, what's flip with R.J.? Why is R.J. playing uh, better basketball in the past month? <laughs> The finishing has been a lot better and a lot more aggressive just to start with. I mean, we know scoring wise, that's, that's where he's going to get most of his buckets. Uh, the three point shot has come around, which has been cool, but um, the finishing is definitely, definitely taking a leap forward. He's just playing with a lot of confidence, attacking, pick and rolls, attacking, imposing big men. Um, just going to some of these moves that we saw in flashes, but he's starting to put together a little, you know, fake into like a turnaround eight footer, little jumper in the paint. Um, mm-hmm. he started, he's starting to use these little Rondo ball fakes. He's starting to go to his euro a little more, trying to use his strength more, um, a little more balance from like further out so he can just meet guys at the rim. Uh, yeah. he's definitely, definitely figured a couple things out, which is, which is cool to see. So when you think about what they can do at the deadline and like the Randall stuff's so complicated because is there still like part of you that's just like, it could just be a bad first part of the season slump and that he could 1000% figure this out uh, down the stretch here. And that this is just something he has to work through. Cause like, I don't really know what his trade value is around the league. He's not popping up anywhere. And it would just, it would be so depressing after the kind of year that he did have last year to kind of pull the plug on this, but with him playing the way he is and RJ playing the way that he is, they're playing completely differently, but they're both critical to where the Knicks are going, but also like, where are the Knicks going? What do they want? Do they want to be just a play-in team this year? Do they did they have realistic high expectations? Because if you seem to recall, Mr. Versberger, who said on this very podcast before the season, who said, whomst among us, I say, whomst among us was pounding the desk saying, I don't think this is a playoff team this year. And 
Now, did I think that that would also include uh, my Atlanta Hawks? No, <laughs> did not. Did not see this being a, a case. But I will say on this very podcast as well, the Atlanta sports guys, we were all over this this offseason that like they're bringing back a lot of folks and there are a lot of mouths to feed in this Hawks rotation. And that was scary. That being said, the Knicks, uh, they scared me running it back with Julius Randle being the number one and needing RJ Barrett to get to that next level. But don't you think part of it, too, is just where Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly are in their development? Don't you think that has to be factored in a little bit? And then the miss, obviously, on Kevin Knox, who I have had uh, just a really weird experience watching him play basketball for the Hawks the last few days. Um, Just a a wild ride, Mr. Kevin Knox. But um, I'm throwing a lot at you there. But what do you make of that? Yeah, on the Randall trade front, it's just not realistic. I, I mean, just the look of dealing a 27-year-old guy you just signed a huge extension to after he saved your franchise from another year of missing playoffs the year before, not a great look to me. Um, obviously, there's some other stuff going on there with Randall and the fans and Randall and the media. Um, but I, I think with that and with the fact that between Thibodeau and Leon Rose, taking a step back out of the playoffs just is not ideal to either party. Um, I think you'll see Randall stick around. And honestly, like you said, with the trade market being what it is, I mean, what kind of deal are you getting for him? You can, you can throw him in a Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris package. If you want, you can completely sell him out for, for, for picks and young guys from, from somewhere. I'm not even sure where, Um, but I think, I don't think either really works out for the Knicks as for uh, quickly and top. And I mean, they they there are cases for them to start right now, but that's that's sort of part of what you get with Thibodeau is he doesn't let shake up what he has. He really trusts his veterans. He really really trusts Alec Burks at point guard over Emmanuel quickly. And I understand that Burks might be better at point guard, as a starting point guard role with that lineup than Emmanuel quickly. But the fact that you don't even try quickly, who's been the best defensive one on your team, who can shoot the three, who pushes the pace. You know, Burks and Kemba basically bring it up, bring it up in slow motion and, and quickly as a guy that just zips up the court, gets it to Randall, moves to the corner. You know, he keeps the offense moving. So Knicks fans have been calling for more of these guys. Uh, they've, they've taken they've taken some steps forward and some steps back in their second years. Um, I, I think they're definitely better than they were last year. Uh, and and really, if you look at the on off numbers, especially with how every game, it seems to be the Knicks starter struggle and then the bench comes in and leads the comeback and quickly usually closes games, why not start quickly at point guard? It's either Kemba Walker, Burks, or him. Is is he really like so far down that list you can't give him a shot? Mm. I don't know. It seems like that's the pressure right now in New York. That's the pressure cooker is just Tibbs' reliance on the veterans. And it's like, then why trade for, for quickly? And it's like, or trade for Reddish rather. And it's just, it seems like, the, is the is the pulse of the fan base like just see what you have and top in quickly and reddish and give them major minutes because like playing the veterans right now isn't working either so what's the worst that can happen right if, if you're not gonna win i mean and especially with reddish whose who ceiling is probably higher than than most of you guys mentioned you know and the, the idea of pairing him and rj would be pretty fun two young you know defensive-minded wings good size that can play off each other hold on 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 cam reddish is not a defensive minded wing he is just someone that uh profiles as someone who should be a great like he has the the right look and athleticism and the on-ball stuff that everyone just recites from uh the buck series last year but um he's been one of the worst nba uh defenders this season and um 
I don't know. He's he's got a long way to go. He is a he is a uh, like there's a reason people are like, oh, there's a little bit of Tracy McGrady in him. It's like it, it's the offensive stuff. He loves he he's come a long way on that end of the court, but it's uh, come at the expense of uh, whatever he was showing early on in his career defensively. Like he has the upside. He has the the profile of someone who should be a lockdown great defender, but he is one of the worst defenders in the NBA right now. Yeah, maybe defensive minded uh, wasn't the right term. But <laughs> defensive, defensive uh... <laughs> I like it. No, it's frustrating. That's the reason Hawks fans were like Cam Reddish is one of the more frustrating Hawks players in recent memory. Like it, there's just two very different perspectives on him, and obviously there are different perspectives on him around the league. Like they got nothing for him. Like they they really got nothing for Cam Reddish. So I feel like that should should say something that they did not wait on him to include in any type of major deadline deal they were like all right we gotta we gotta move on from this and i mean part of it was he requested a trade before the season but i don't know uh reddish is i i hope for the best because cam is uh, a really fun uh player to watch especially when he's cooking but he has to you know get on the court i think yeah agreed and i think a trade is coming that sort of consolidates assets probably moves kemba and, and maybe opens up a spot for him because the knicks don't trade for him just to just you know, put him on the bench. Yeah, you got to read a little less Mark Berman, a little more Ian Begley. You know. Oh wow, wow! Vert's getting into the the Knicks beat fray. Throwing <laughs> haymakers. I I was not expecting this on this podcast, Vert's. Um, well, off the Knicks, off the Knicks. Awesome. Um, out outside of them, who uh, who have you been watching lately in basketball? I think the theme is like train wrecks for me in past weeks. <laughs> so I've been watching a little bit of Lakers basketball just because okay. the whole story narrative with them this whole season has been about you know, Harding going to fit. If he fit doesn't seem right, it doesn't, you know, these minimum guys. I don't want really to see a championship team or how's it going to go. And it was sort of, you know, treading that water up until like this month, I would say, when we had the Westbrook bench and it, it hit a it hit a real spark where suddenly it's like, okay. Something happened. They benched Westbrook you know, during that one. Uh, I think it was against the, was it the Pacers. I think it was a Pacers game. Mm. And you know, now we got some news item, and then it was the potential Vogel firing getting rumored. So now that there, there's a little bit of fire to the smoke, now I kind of want to watch and see see what's going on there. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of fire. It's a lot of if things are on fire. Um, it doesn't seem to be a real solution on this team, other than hope LeBron and AD are healthy come to playoffs and they can just take over from there because the rest of the crowd, I mean, it seems like Vogel's just trying different lineups every game now, trying to find the combination that really, that really works and brings what you want on both ends. And it's, uh, it's messy. It's been messy. So it's been fun watching them and my Knicks just flounder about. Well, a little bit different situation <laughs> because you got LeBron, you got AD. Uh, the expectations might be a little bit different uh, New York versus uh, Los Angeles at the moment, but I don't know. It's just the Lakers are just kind of sad. Like it was one of those. I I feel vindicated. Uh, I said they were not a they were like not a playoff team before the season. Like check the tapes, folks. Um, <laughs> but also like there were people throwing around that they could win the title. And I was like, no, that's over. Like they had the run. The bubble run was an all time great run, but betting on LeBron at this point in his career, betting on AD to be that healthy for that length of time again, and then betting on Westbrook at the expense of your depth. It was like, none of these are good. None of these are good indicators that this group can figure it out. And now when people like the Jeremy Grant stuff or insert interesting player here, 
they're not getting any of those guys. Like nobody wants Taylor Horton Tucker. Nobody wants Malik Monk. Nobody wants Russell Westbrook. So it's just like, I don't really know what they can do. They're kind of just screwed. Like, and it's not even all Russell Westbrook. Like he is just not a superstar anymore, which is a problem for them. But it's also just Anthony Davis is not available. And Anthony Davis is still hurt. LeBron is older. He's playing the five. And that's probably where he belongs at this point in his career um, to be as great as he is. And I just, I don't know. Trevor Ariza is not uh, solving those problems. Him coming back. I, I just don't think they can do anything with the way their roster is constructed, but also the way their salaries are constructed where it's like, what, what do you want them to do? What, what do you want them to do? And it's just, for me, I'm excited because I don't think LeBron's a Laker after this year. So I am just so curious wow. to see what happens um, because I, I just, I don't think he's going to sign off on back-to-back uh, first round exits in Los Angeles. Like it's just, it's too much. He he puts too much time and he cares too much about um, being the best that he can be and being on winners at this point in his career that I just, I don't think he can sign on for because there's no way out. If you're the Lakers, there's no way out of this. You are stuck to this team for the next several years like this kind of core. And I just, I don't think you can win with it anymore. I think it's good that they got the title that they did, which is awesome. That banner will hang forever, but I just, I don't think they can get out of this. Am I crazy? No, I I, I don't have any real optimism surrounding them uh, winning this year or going down the line in the future, how they sort of turn this around. I mean, you can have AD sort of shed some of that weight and maybe lean up and then take care of some of the injury stuff and, you could prolong LeBron's career and uh, can you trade Westbrook? Can you, I mean, there's no, who are you trading Westbrook for? Like John Wall? Like there's only and you get John Wall. (laughs) But I mean, that's all they can really do. And what are you doing? Sending Westbrook back to Houston? Why is Houston doing that? I mean, I guess it gives them something that they don't have, but like, I don't, I don't know. There's, you have to trade him for a contract that's somewhere close to him. And I just, man, I don't know. I don't think there is a trade for him. I think it's like he'll be in buyout central at some point is my guess. Not this year, pretty, but pretty sad way to, to watch him, uh, to watch him decline. But LeBron now LeBron is not a free agent this summer. Mm-hmm. Are you, Next are you summer, saying yeah. he, re- he requests a trade? Yes. Wow. And he, he's making a decision. Like if he's like, I want out, like this is not working for me anymore. Guess what? Uh, you get the max done with uh, Phoenix or with Aiton. Like, I still think he's a sut. Like, I still think this ends with him. James Jones just got a multi-year extension in Phoenix. Chris Paul's there. Booker's there. That three, you just trade Mikhail and Aiton and whatever else you have to do. Like, I wouldn't want to do this necessarily. But if I was Phoenix, obviously, because they're running and they could win the title this year and go to back-to-back finals which is pretty awesome considering where this franchise has been for the last 12 years and also the craziness that happened with their ownership so um for them to just keep moving on like nothing happened and just uh to keep killing it because part of the reason that they are this good is just the continuity with their roster and they know exactly who they are um they play the same like eight guys every night um that's really nice when you have that kind of health and you can just play the same dudes other like other franchises cannot do that like yours like mine like it's just that continuity does not exist outside of like utah not even golden state um right now especially and we can mention draymond and what's going going on with clay and wiseman still being out but like the point being i i would be terrified if i'm phoenix to up in that 
but also like if you don't win these next two years and it's still LeBron James and because he has slid to the five, essentially you can part with Aiton if he takes the max and then Mikhail would just be brutal because Mikhail might be the best defender in basketball right now. I, um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be complicated, but if LeBron is like, Hey, I want to go play with James Jones, uh, play for, uh, James Jones's team. My, my longtime friend, I want to go play with CP like to round out my career. It's not that far from LA anyway. I don't know. I, I, I could see it. Can can we pursue this one? Cause it, cause I don't think I've heard another basketball podcast talk about LeBron leaving in the year. How about LeBron back to Cleveland? How about that one for you? He sees, Oh, my calves are, are looking pr- pretty good right now. You know, if I'm Cleveland, I don't want him back. You can't do this three times. I just, I, I appreciate you coming back and win the title. Like that's awesome. That band, like we said, I am literally looking at a Kyrie, uh, the game winning sh- three, the crossover step back over Steph, um, have that frame next to me. It's like one of my favorite all time, just sports series ever. He, he had his great moment, but like to come back with this. And I also don't think, LeBron Garland and Mobley whose timeline is not even close to where LeBron needs it to be. I don't know if Mobley was like five years old. He's so good. He's so good. I love Mobley, but like none of those five, I I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that three even gets out of the East. I I don't know. Now we're going to talk about, I know we're going to talk about James Harden later on this pod. Mm -hmm. Is that, well, the last (laughs) one, well, we'll get to James Harden. We'll get to James Harden. The last thing, because you mentioned the Lakers and watching them, we can combine this into the Clippers aspect of this. It looks like Paul George might not come back this year. Like that's looking weird. Have you watched a Clippers game lately? They they lost to my Knicks uh, mm-hmm. this past weekend, so I did watch that, but not not for a little bit beforehand. What do you make of this rotation? Like Amir Coffey is a starter, and like they're just surviving on high usage Reggie Jackson and like. <sighs> Morris is giving them nothing most nights. Terrence Mann plays 12 to 14 minutes. So it's like when people are all like, oh, Terrence Mann's awesome. It's like he's still giving them a quarter. <laughs> um, you look at this group, Luke Kennard still not happening, but yet they're still flirting with 500, even without Kawhi and without Paul George. They're weirdly still a fun watch for me. I enjoy watching them, and the Clippers are kind of like, I don't know. They're just, they're so weird. And I just, I, I, they don't get talked about because they're not the Lakers. But if Kawhi and PG are never right, what are they doing? Like, what are, what is the Clippers right now? Like, I just, I can't explain it. But, like, who do you think is in a worse situation? Because with the Lakers, you have AD, who's still injured, going to continue to still be injured. Like, I don't think that's changing. That's part of the Anthony Davis experience, unfortunately. But you still have LeBron playing at a, a great level. He's healthy. And that's your big two. The big two in... Clipperland is just not available. <laughs> and I don't I don't know what you're doing. And if Kawhi is never available in this very short amount of time that you need him to be available to win a title because he's not getting any younger and his body's not getting any better. And Paul George now is starting to break down. They gave up everything for Paul George. They gave up everything. I just, I don't know what they're doing. It's kind of a weird, like, I, I, I don't know what they're doing. Like, it's really sad because I really want to watch Paul George and Kawhi Leonard be healthy for a playoff run. Like I want to see if that can win a title. I still think it can. Like I, before the, uh, the regular season last year, I had Clippers nets in the NBA finals and obviously did not happen. Um, and injuries were a big part of that. I just, 
if they're, if they're not healthy after this year and you don't get either back, even for like a one, the first round of the playoffs that they get a play in spot or whatever, what are you doing? You have to have some really uncomfortable conversations in Clipperland, right? Like, why are you in the luxury tax? Why are you doing what you're doing? It would be a wasted year in that scenario. I, I'm inclined to like the Clipper situation more just because, you know, first of all, their main two guys are wings. Uh, they're, you know, not one of them is a big man like AD, who's, who's probably going to take a little more punishment, is probably a little more injury prone. They're a little younger than, well, LeBron, but that's not really saying much. Uh, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, the rest of the roster, that's what it looks like when you sign, you know, have two big max guys up top and have to fill out the roster from there. Um, you know, it is a lot better than the Lakers surrounding core, which you can tell by the record and just them how they're playing without their two stars. So I think you look at that and say you hope the two stars get reasonably healthy by the playoffs, close to the playoffs. If not, it's a wasted year. It sucks, but uh, I think I think these two really want to have like a fair. Show. They haven't really since the bubble. I don't think these two have had like a good crack at the uh, at the postseason because then Kawhi got injured last year, and it's, it really seemed like they were figuring things out last year. So. I, I think they want another shot at it. I think they're going to keep running it back. Like you said, they've invested so much. Uh, I think it's a little early to pull the plug or, or really massively shake things up. But they've been connected. I think they were connected to Westbrook at one point. Like I, I think, I think they'd be open to taking that third star. And then with the, that's not a star. Hold on, hold on. No, he's not a star. Like he's not a star uh, anymore. Hypothetical star. If for, the, Why? for the purposes of this discussion, I'm not saying Westbrook okay. individually. I'm saying okay. like they they they're in position to trade for a Jeremy Grant, uh, Turner, whoever they might want. You know. Hmm. I just. I mean, I think they need a lead ball handler. Like I think they need something to take. <laughs> I mean, Reggie Jackson's been good. Like Reggie Jackson, I enjoy watching play basketball. I do. Do you enjoy it? Like I enjoy it. It's just weird. It's a throwback. It's it shouldn't be working. He's their most important offensive weapon most nights. I don't know. I just I respect the Clippers just being like, hey, here's where we're at. Ty Lue deserves serious coach of the year uh, consideration just for keeping a team above 500 with Reggie Jackson being the the vocal point of the offense. Um, what storyline in the NBA right now has you you most? intrigued what are you what have you been thinking about what uh what has Vert's been thinking about when he's walking around astoria the last uh <laughs> last week uh i have a next one in a, in a trade season mm-hmm. well the, the, I, do you think this is going to be an active trade deadline do you think it's all smoke and just things going to fizzle out and take care of themselves in the draft because i'm i don't first of all i think there are like maybe five guys that are heavily involved in rumors i feel mm-hmm. like there are more other years I feel like well, who are the five? Who, you have, who are you considering the five? Who are the five that you're thinking that you're here? It's like, it, it, well, we see it on Twitter. You know, it's like Grant. It's mm-hmm. I'm just gonna lump all the Pacers guys together, like Sabonis, <laughs> Turner, and Brogdon are one. Um, mm-hmm. Who else was it? Ben Simmons, obviously. Right. Um, whatever. We see the same names over and over again. Yeah. And CJ McCollum. Yeah. Yeah. And and. I just think where all these teams are, it kind of seems like the draft or the offseason might be a better time to move a lot of these pieces. I just, I don't know. Well, you mentioned, I, here's the thing. And this leads us to, I think the hardened conversation because I'm adamantly against um, what's going on here. 
Um, I think if Daryl Morey still thinks he's getting anything, like if he's getting Harden for, um, for Ben Simmons, I still don't think that's going to happen. But I also just think there's part of it where it's, it's so complicated because people you talk to with the Sixers and stuff like that, and the reporters who are plugged in and those kind of folks, it's like Embiid's good with being like a top three MVP candidate this year with no Ben Simmons and it just being all on his shoulders because Joel Embiid is got, he's just gotten better. He's just a better basketball player, which is scary, but he's also just an unreal talent and is a top five player in this league right now. So, it also he won't be enough it. to win, though, right? No, it won't, right? But if Maury's gone to Embiid and just been like, hey, if I want to wait on Simmons until I think there's like a 94% chance I can get Simmons for um, Harden this summer, are you good with playing this out with no shot at winning a ring this year and then running it back with uh, with your own second star next year? The problem with all of that, too, is like, I think the vibe I'm getting and if they don't make a move is that Embiid's a g- he's good on that. He's like, I'll just win MVP this year because voters are I- I'm I'm dubious that voters are going to be able to give Giannis another one or Jokic back to back, even though it's Giannis like the MVP right now for me is Giannis and it should be Giannis. I don't know if they'll do it, Um, but Embiid's right there. If you're not going to one of those two, you're going to Embiid. And if you don't make a trade and Embiid gets this team as a five seed or wins 50 games, whatever it is, by himself with all the turnover and with Tobias Harris playing the way that he is and with people talking themselves into Tyrese Maxey, can he make the leap? It's like, no, he's a good player, but he's not going to be a James Harden type or a top 15 player in this league or someone who can really help swing a playoff series for Embiid when it matters. It's like, no, he's kind of like the universal approval rating. He's at the Bradley Beal zone, just a, a better version of that, where it's like, everybody wants Bradley Beal. Everybody loves Bradley Beal because Bradley Beal is just, he's by himself. <laughs> he's just the lone wolf putting up numbers, just being awesome, being an all NBA player. It's just, there's nowhere to go. There's no, I, I, I don't know. I just, I think it's complicated. I think them playing the long game with Embiid and like being, hey, we can just get hard in the summer. I wouldn't do that. I would not risk an Embiid season ever, especially at this point. Like, I, I just the, the years are numbered. It's not like a five year thing. Your window with Embiid being your best player and winning a title is what three or less? The over under three. You um, have to look at it as right now, or it's do or die. Like, because yes. you just don't know. You just don't know when exactly. next season. Who knows what happens? And when it does, it's over. Like when it happens and when it goes, it's just what we've seen with big men. It's just it's going to end quickly. And it's going to be depressing. And I I'm, I don't even want to talk about it because it's just, it sucks. And I don't want that to be the case with Embiid. All that being said, what would you do if you're Maury? Do you, do you take like a John Collins-led offer from Atlanta and multiple picks? Or like, I don't know, Halliburton and Buddy Heald and insert other salary here to make that work? Um, which I actually think is a great deal. I saw that like floating around Twitter that, I forgot who it was that in the athletic that they were, they wrote about that package being floated to Philadelphia, because if they can get Halliburton and like a buddy healed or Harrison Barnes type and a pick or something, I think that's pretty amazing value for Ben Simmons at this point. I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, I don't know. What would you do? What would you, would you take a B plus or B minus trade for Simmons or would you put 
all your chips in to Harden if you knew you had like a 90% chance of getting him this summer? I was, if it's a 90% chance, that changes things. That That's pretty confident. But I don't think you can even, uh, unless they have some crazy intel. But I've been on well, this. Just this week, he doesn't like living in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, it's cold taxes are high. And I get mm-hmm. it. But, um, you know, I've been on, I've had the same opinion on this since this whole situation sort of erupted over the offseason. He clearly doesn't want to be there. You're not going to yeah. build up his value, as we've seen. You know, it's you can't waste a year of Embiid. You just can't. You you have a top five player or whatever when he's healthy, top ten player, whatever he is. His prime isn't going to last forever. You you just don't know what's going to happen next year. You don't know if Harden's going to come. Like, what if you what if you stick with Ben Simmons all the way through the off season? What if the Harden deal isn't available? Then what? Yeah. Right. So I was ready to take a B minus, C plus, whatever deal. ASAP right away. He wandered out. It didn't sound like the situation was fixable. With every new leaked report, it just sounded worse and worse. So just get rid of him, move on, and get and be some help, any help. Barnes and Halliburton, forget like that, even if it's only one pick, like that sounds fantastic for the Sixers team and sounds like exactly what they might need to sort of up themselves to that upper echelon in the East. Because right now, Embiid and his um his fun crew just, just won't do it. No, it will not. Um, Jeremy Grant, though, there it seems like it might be Sacramento or Atlanta. The Atlanta stuff, I just... Zach Allen of Dream Shake, uh, friend of the pod, he was tweeting at me this morning about like, oh, that's a good fit. And he's like, I told you it was a good fit. And I'm like, I don't want Jeremy Grant anywhere near Atlanta. That makes no sense. That I don't understand that at all. I, I don't even understand it for Sacramento. Like, What is the point of Jeremy Grant in Sacramento? There's no reason to do that if you're the Kings. There's none. Like, I don't, that doesn't move the needle that keeps you around the play in. Like, I don't, I don't understand that for them whatsoever. I, I think there are places for Jeremy Grant, but I don't think it's either Sacramento or Atlanta. And it looks like it might be one of the two, but also, how is he a good fit? Where's he playing? If you're not giving up John Collins, we go on Grant at the three, Collins at the four, Capella at the five? What? In this economy? No, <laughs> can't do it. Can't do it. I don't want Jeremy Grant anywhere. It's not because I don't think he's a good player. I think Jeremy Grant's a great player. I just don't think he fits or makes sense with what the Hawks need right now. And people are like, oh, the defense, the the defense. It's like, yeah, I get that. But I want a defender who's a guard. I need someone who is just a three-point guy. But also, it's not even just the fit. It's like something that I think about with Ben Simmons. You, uh, What scares me the most about Atlanta and Ben Simmons is that I do think Trey and Ben would play phenomenally next to one another. I think it would work especially in the open court. And I think Trey just getting better looks from three, just because of what Ben Simmons is able to do drive kick and just his next level passing. Like, I think that will take a, a huge burden off Trey and just unlock something in this game that he's not been able to do on the flip side. I have no interest in John Collins being exited from the leadership in Atlanta and replacing him where it's a situation of Ben Simmons and Trey young are the leaders in the Atlanta Hawks locker room. That is not, uh, <laughs> Not something I have any interest in. Like that would make me quite concerned off the floor stuff of like, I just Trey is a, a top 10 player in this league. Now he's also not a leader. Like he's not that this is not him. It's more of the Harden thing where you need a Draymond. Like he needs a Draymond. And that's kind of what John Collins is. I don't know. I would be very, very careful about that aspect of it. But Jeremy Grant just doesn't make sense to me. He doesn't make sense to me in Sacramento or Orlando. Do you think 
what like with what you've seen from Grant and what he is as a player to you, would you like to see him and or either of these teams make that kind of deal? I'm a pretty big Jeremy Grant guy. Uh, my thing is this report that he wants to go somewhere where he's going to get control of the ball. He's going to get Ooh. to be a primary facilitator. That's where, to me, if he's willing to play the three, shoot a little more, focus on defense, if he's willing to play like more of a third or fourth man role, something like that, like buy into whatever system, then I think he could fit basically anywhere. I think he'd be great for Sacramento. Sacramento is actually the one place where he might actually get touches and get the ball. That's why I think he might be the best fit. But everywhere else, it's like he's going to Atlanta to be, I guess it would be the number two on the uh, – you're keeping John Collins in that trade, right? So it'd be number yeah. three option, number two. Well, no, John Collins option. is like number four or number five right now. Our options, it's like, it's Trey. It's, I mean, I guess it's DeAndre Hunter when he's healthy. It's a lot of herder. Bogey when he plays, uh, but he's been hurt. Um, Collins is not, uh, he's, he's fourth. Or, that's why he complains about the pecking order is, yeah. uh, Collins is not happy about it, but guess what? When you're number two in offense, it's like, well, this is working. It's like, yeah, if you are the number one option, another offense, like that offense is probably not good in the NBA. John Collins is your number one (laughs) and you run everything through him. That's a problem. But if he's your number four on offense, yeah, pretty awesome. It's pretty good. It's a great defense or a great offense, an elite offense rather. Right. So that's the issue with trading grant there and Lakers, I'd wanted my Knicks to trade for him, but you know what? Guess what? Randall's probably you still have to feed Randall the ball most of the time, and and RJ's coming up, and you want to see what he can do, and you want to give him twenty shot game now. So is Grant third there? Like, where, where isn't he third? Where isn't he second or fourth or whatever? Like, uh, I don't Here's know where he's place. expecting to get the ball. What's that? Here's the place. It's Chicago. Like you do the Patrick Williams for Jeremy Grant stuff. Like that's what you do. Like that solves both things. You give. Um, Detroit, another great young piece in Patrick Williams to mold. And Jeremy Grant fills out this this rotation of he's, Zach Levine. He's, he's, not touching oh, the ball. he's not touching the ball unless it's on a cut or a pick and roll dunk or something. I mean, which, great. That would be amazing for Chicago, an amazing fit. I would yes. immediately say, okay, title contender. But again, that doesn't fit his criteria, reported criteria. So that's what right. I'm basing that on. Yeah, and I'm not doing it. I'm going to him. If I'm a close friend of Jeremy Grant, I'm like, dude, you're awesome. You're awesome, man. You you just did this in Detroit. It's not a thing. Like the the do you want to go win a title? Like this is do you want to go win a title? Then just go be the number four on Chicago. Go be the number four on like D- Denver. Like, I mean, at that point, somebody like that who I mean, my perfect one is Utah, where it's like how many times do we have to see this with their wings against the Warriors or the Suns or um anybody else in the top of the West? I just I'm not gonna I'm s- I'm just not there with them until they do something with the Royce O'Neal, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic spot. And um, who is it? Bojan, uh, Royce O'Neal. Who am I forgetting? Who's the other one they throw? Oh, Ingles. So I, they got to do something there because they have figured it out with Donovan. They figured it out with Gobert. They figured it out with Conley. But I just, they could absolutely use that Swiss army knife on the perimeter, the Lou Dort type um, for them. But if that's not what he wants, and he wants to be the guy then like Sacramento is great for him. But guess what? If you want to be the guy, you're not, you're not. Let me just go ahead and emphasize this. Trey Young is not dipping his usage to uh, facilitate Jeremy Grant um, a lot more. I, I don't think that's uh, a match made in heaven. And you, you just spitballed Utah. I mean, 
which team can you name where he won't be a great fit if he buys into being that sort of right. Swiss Army knife? I mean, Minnesota, how amazing would he be in Minnesota with that team? Yep. I should bring some defense to him. You can mm-hmm. name you can name anybody really. So yeah, I don't know. Um you have to think of the best package that that's willing to to want to shell out for him because apparently the, the other report was Detroit wanting a young guy and first round picks. It's like, all right, Grant's good. He could be what a contender really, really needs that last sort of chess piece. But I don't know if you're going to sort I don't know if you're going to get that in this market. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. Like, I feel like the Hawks hold all the cards here, the Hawks and maybe the Kings um, hold all the cards with how active this trade deadline's going to be. I, I'm still just like, until Daryl Morey does it. I'm not going to do it. Um, is Ben Simmons the linchpin of all these other trades? Do you think it's him and then it's all these Pacers guys? It's Grant. It's whoever. I think it. I think the league really wants to see what the Hawks do. Like I think they really want to see how all in they go because they have so many pieces. And I just. I don't know. I think people are watching to see what they do. I mean, they're playing a lot better basketball right now. They've already moved reddish, but. My guess is if the Hawks take a big swing, whether it's Beal, my pipe dream of Bradley Beal, and just forget about the defense and just see if anyone can stop Beal and Trey Young in a seven-game series. Just see if they can stop them four times. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know who the answer is there, but I, I do think that is something to monitor is just, do they take a big swing? And maybe Golden State, too, with Wiseman still being out, Golden Draymond State not being out for an indefinite amount of time. Yes, the Knicks have they have young guys. Poppin and then about a million, $10 million salaries with veterans that, yeah, sure, bring them on. They can help you in there. So I, yeah. I think they're in it too. Last thing we'll mix and um, we'll, we'll wrap up here, Bert's, um, the magic. So Jalen Suggs is fun. Love Jalen Suggs. He gets to the line. That guy gets to the line. Um, do you see the Brandon Roy stuff? Because people scoffed at it when he came into the league. It's just, and I watched him a lot at Gonzaga, but. He's fun, man. And Markel Fultz still gone. I think he what tore his ACL. Is that what it was? Um, the um, last year. So he's yeah, been out right. all year. But no Isaac all year. The Magic have lost a billion games. I will say, um, I don't know who's in charge of the uniforms. Like the NBA has a uniform issue across the board. Uniforms have gotten out of control. Teams just wear whatever at, at home, away, doesn't matter. Um, just all kinds of nonsense uh, that you sometimes when you're watching League Pass, you're not sure who you're watching. The Magic wearing black and what is that orange or gold? I'm colorblind uh, legally, so I'm not 100. Is it orange? Okay, it's awful. You already have great uniforms. If you're going to go alternates, you have the pinstripes. What are you doing? Like the Orlando Magic have phenomenal uniforms. And the amount of times that I've watched Jalen Suggs and watched the Magic with those black and orange uniforms, it's preposterous. It's enough for me to want to call the league office myself. Let me talk to the manager. This cannot continue. You want to grow this league? Fix the uniforms. The uniform stuff is a problem. I understand you want to sell a bunch of different kinds of jerseys. Just sell them. Wear it once. Whatever. But you have great uniforms. The Magic have all-time great uniforms. What are we doing? Yeah, they, they've gone away from some other traditions, too. The Christmas uniforms. You want us to buy yeah. some new stupid uniform every year? We'll buy a new <laughs> Christmas uni, but there's none coming out with that. But yeah. yeah. Was, that, was, that, was that your Magic Ranch? Just about their, their uniforms? No, no, there's more to it. Sorry, I just got to <laughs> with the, the uniforms. It really bothers me. It bothers me. Um, no, but like Gary Harris is out there. Um, RJ Hampton's interesting. Jonathan Isaac has not played for them yet. Um, you have Wendell Carter. You have Mr. Wagner uh, out there getting his shots up. But they do have some interesting pieces that like when you throw them onto a different rotation, like 
I'll never forget Chris Herring, uh, who's just a phenomenal NBA writer for SI and has that great book on the Knicks now that everyone should go buy if they have not already, Amazon, wherever. Um, he he wrote this great piece a couple of years ago. Do you remember the 538 piece? Like Gary Harris could be like the next Kawhi Leonard. Wow, well, I would have thought I'd remember something like that. Uh, it was a couple <laughs> years ago. But it was a great piece. Like he was playing great basketball for Denver at the time. And it was like, could he get to that level? And obviously did not. And the shot never came back. He got injured. And for whatever reason, sir, I'm sure there was a multitude of them as to why it didn't work out, but it just didn't. So I don't know. Like, can you put Gary Harris on it? Does he do anything for a contender? Does anyone on the magic right now make sense to you that you're like, huh, there's someone I would be interested. There's some pieces here for a contender that would make sense. I think him and Ross make sense yeah, mm-hmm. to be the guys that end up on the trading block. I don't think the Magic really want to really want to give up on any of these young guys until they've gotten their uh, their real try at things. Uh, Terrence Ross, I mean, he's just a he's just a flamethrower. You know, one night he'll be he'll be on fire. Other nights, you know, he he won't be won't be hitting a shot so efficiently, but he can be relied on to shoot the ball and create. So. I think uh, yeah, I think he's definitely a good he's every now and then. Like he's someone to watch out for. He's a DMPCD randomly guy, <laughs> where it's like I don't want to deal with the Josh or uh, with the with the uh, Terrence Ross experience tonight. Sometimes that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, and you obviously you know you want to put the growth and the future of the franchise in front of your veterans. But uh, I've been looking Harris, man. I, I definitely wrote his name down when he said we'd be talking about the medic this year. He he looked a lot better. I mean, his three point shot. So it's only around 35%, but he's shooting at really high volume and, and mm-hmm. high rate for himself and shooting it with much more confidence. Even going to the rim, I thought he's looked a lot like he's gotten to bounce back a little bit. He's just blown by the Lakers guys when when I watched that, that Lakers Magic game. Um, yeah, I like him a lot. He's 27 now, so you're not you're not going for the upside play. And he's he's making like $14-50 million a year. So a trade might get a little tricky there. You might just have to do a vet uh, an expensive veteran you're not really playing in like a pick and Gary Harris back. Not sure, but um I like him. I think he's I think he's worth an investment and worth a, a try if you if you need a wing to come in, defend, shoot a little bit, beat out closeouts, things of that nature. Yeah. If there was a way the Lakers could bring in Gary Harris uh this year. Like Gary Harris and Terrence Ross, just that kind of two-person combo would make a lot of sense i don't know do you think cole anthony's good do you think he's good i yeah. can't figure it out okay i i think i think i think he's a baller i i think okay. yeah i i didn't like him coming in as a prospect uh mm. i thought his rookie season was a little underwhelming but you know rookie nba point guard for the worst team in the league what do you expect yeah. and uh he's uh he's really been awesome this year i mean he's he's a he's a big reason for a lot of those whatever eight wins they have this year or something so um yeah he, I, I like him a lot D- does a lot on the court i mean play plays way way more than like than you expect out of his size you know gets on the boards um there's a lot of fun stuff he, he's a fun player okay all right well verts that's all i've got for you at the moment um give me we'll wrap up here give me your Give me your favorite trade that you've come up with before the deadline that you would like to see done. Give me your favorite one that you've put together. Ooh, that's tough. I got to think about that one. Uh, <laughs> man, 
Uh, I traded I traded Kemba Walker for Ish Smith and a second round pick because then Kemba because then Kemba can go home to Charlotte. He'll get backup mm-hmm. point guard minutes. Was it was like what what he needs to be doing right now? I, I think mm-hmm. he'll provide more to Charlotte than Ish Smith did. And then Knicks can get their pick, their second round pick, bench Ish Smith, open up the rotation spot for Cam Reddish, and everyone's happy. Mm. Okay, I like that. Um, I'm okay with that. Uh, mine is Atlanta just calling uh, the Ponzi scheme that is Oklahoma City and what's going on there and being like, are you going to send us uh, Shea Gilders Alexander? Oh, what, oh, what are we doing? You, you just piss off every Thunder fan listening to this. <laughs> I mean, you got Josh Giddy, so what more do you need? Um, I don't they, know. They, like, I just... they love they love Shire. They're not moving shy. I, 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 uh, maybe it's Thunder fans shy. in my it's timeline. Funny. What is it, the point? Tell me what the point of Aaron Wiggins and Shea Gilders Alexander is. Tell me the point. What are we doing? I think the point is Shea is pretty established, and you hope Wiggins becomes something. But if not, you can. Okay. Shea, Shea, Shea. I mean, he's a great, great player. He's so good, and he is going to spend the majority of these early years just on a team that's just playing for the year after next, after next, after next, after next. Like the Thunder are not anywhere close and he's already playing at an all-star level. I, I just, and I also would just love to see what a backcourt of Trey and uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander would look like. I, I think be, that would that, be that's, so I'm not sure you can concoct a better Trey Young-led fun backcourt than that. that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So there you go. That's my one. That's my hope is just Schlink keeps calling Sam Preston is like, hey, what are we doing? What are we doing? This is this is not right. What you're doing is Shea Gilgis Alexander over here. Well, I look um, forward to your reaction when it's Ben Simmons inside. I mean, if it's Ben Simmons, like it's an, I I will understand. Like if they take that kind of swing with them spending as much as they have with where they got to last year, with the pressure of keeping Trey happy. Like I get all of that. Like I I would understand. I would understand why they did it, and that's a swing that's worth taking like Ben Simmons is a worth. he is a worthy swing and I'm willing to go down with if it turns into just a dumpster fire whatever man like that's an okay swing to make I can you can defend that I agree uh, I'm with you yeah, I actually think they should do it like I think they should go but forward. if Maury keeps hanging up the phone like I'm waiting for Harden it's nothing you could do so when people are like oh Ben Simmons it's like well if they're not taking trades and they're just waiting on Harden then there's no point like there's nothing you can do. You can't force it. It's like the Jalen Brown stuff. You cannot force the Celtics to put them on the market. It's not the thing. You can't do it. Yeah. All right. Verts, how can the good folks keep up with your work this week all across Sportsnet New York and uh, Twitter, all that good stuff? I'll be writing some trade deadline stuff about the Knicks and Nets over at SNY. Follow me on Twitter, underscore Verts. And uh, yeah. Hopefully things things turn around for our team. So you, it seems like you guys are swinging in the right direction. We're 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 still ahead of you in the standings, but we've got to figure a couple things out. Not for long. It, that will change in the next week. I'm not right. good. We'll, we'll we'll see. All right. Well, we'll check back when the Hawks are around the five seed. Um, Brett, <laughs> thank you as always, my friend. Uh, we shall see how it all unfolds. But thank you again, sir. And uh, we will talk again very soon. Sounds good. Take care, man. Thanks for having me. 
All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again to David Wurzberger of SNY, Carlos Medina of 68 at the Fan, and Mr. Evan Swords of 49ers Hub for coming on this edition of the podcast. Go give them a follow and keep up with their work if you have not already done so. Uh, if you like listening to all of our guests today and you like this very podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or read your podcast. It's greatly appreciated and helps more than you know uh, make sure to go check out chasethomaspodcast.com access to all of all of my previous episodes uh, go subscribe to the sports renaissance man at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com uh, email me at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com with any nfl cowboys nba atlanta tennessee balls any questions uh, for me uh, on this very podcast chase thomas podcast at gmail.com follow me on twitter at chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer and we'll be back with another episode tomorrow uncle Derek, how'd i do nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah